guys and girls, and welcome to episode 160 of the F Reality Podcast. Warm up the hyperdrives and buckle up as we discuss this week's top VR news. We're going to be talking about Rowdy and Zim's hands-on impressions with the Oculus Quest 2. We give you our thoughts on both the Walking Dead Onslaught and Star Wars Squadrons. Virtual Desktop is already running at 90 hertz on the Oculus Quest 2. We'll be discussing the world of VTubing with our special guest, Fia, from the Virtual Reality Show. And to round up the podcast, Zim has got some new releases for you to look forward to next week. But for now, let me introduce you to the team, find out what's been the highlight of the week this week, and also let us know what you played in the chat so we can read out some of your highlights too. First up to the plate, this guy treats VR headsets like Pokemon. He's got to catch them all. It's our Frisian friend. It's, of course, Nathy. How you doing, dude? You all right? Yeah, dude, dude, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I got my hands onto something that I never thought I would get my hands on. Like mm. Super, super duper random. Let me let me tell you. So uh, this week I tried to sell one of my Vive Pros that I still have laying around and I put it on the Dutch marketplace. Now, like every marketplace, you know, um, eBay or, you know, wherever you, you put it, you will always get other recommendations too, right? Based on what you search for. So I was, of course, looking to see what the price of the Vive Pro was to kind of get in the same range as the other people. Um, but because of that, I got a lot of other recommendations like, you know, uh, Rifts, uh, Vives, Pimaxes, uh, etc. All, all, all the headsets on the market. You didn't <laughs> want to buy a Pimax? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, but um, yeah, so I was like scrolling down a little bit and um, I saw like a an Oculus Rift DK1. And I was like, okay, it's a bit strange because it had a sticker on the front saying top 2000. And top 2000 is like a, um, is a radio show here. And I was like, why did they put it on the front? So that triggered me to click on it because I mean, I've, I've seen a DK1 before. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but then I clicked on it and I was zooming in on the top 2000 uh, sticker wondering where it came from and what they used it for. I was like, it must have been on TV. Um, and I um, scrolled down a little bit more and then I saw a photo and it said Oculus Rift HD prototype. And I was no way. I was like, this can't be on, on the internet because the description didn't say anything about a prototype at all. It just said like Oculus Rift DK with old headphones. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so I messaged the guy. I was like, oh, so uh, what can I do with this uh, thing? Because it looks exciting. I'm like, I'm not going to tell him that I know everything about VR. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, so we, uh, we bought it from a company who went bankrupt and uh, um, yeah, we're trying to sell it and we tested it. It works fine and has no, you know, dead pixels or anything. I'm like, this is gold, man. So I said, like, oh, uh, so what if I just pay you uh, uh, 140, you know, in euros? He's like, okay, sure. I'm like, well, this is not a bad price. Um, so I got it here. I got a freaking <laughs> HD prototype. Uh, I cleaned it up. The sticker is now gone. Yeah. Um, and um, this is basically the little brother of the DK2, the Oculus Rift DK2. Nice. And this is also the only headset that has um never been shown to the public and also has never really been given to any developers it has never been to for sale mm -hmm. only a couple of friends from oculus back in the days got these prototypes to develop with yeah but you couldn't buy them like the dk1 or the dk2 um, i've seen this one at a trade show because uh at gamescom in 2013 i've seen it and i've also taken a photo with it and now i own one it's super weird 
Um, we actually got the we got the seller in the chat, Nate. He's saying that he ripped you off and he just put HD <laughs> prototype himself on the ball in there. Like, oh wow! I don't know. Oh wow! Yeah, who knew? Who knew? But um, yeah. So this this headset is like super old. Um, you can still connect it. It has a HDMI and a USB. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just you know plug it in and use it as a monitor. Um, I haven't tried any games on it yet because I'm too busy, uh, sadly. Um, but yeah, it has like a, a 1080p LCD panel. Uh, nice. And, and it's like, it's old school, but it's rare. It's like super rare. It is super rare. Uh, it is super rare. It's a really nice find you got there. Yeah. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't even planning to spend money on, on like old like hardware. I must have paid too much for it. Um, but I mean, you want to collect it. all of them. And this yeah. is like one that you don't really get. Of course, You're not going to get it chance again to get something like that no, you know no. it's like that's like when i was hunting down i was trying to get the uh the magazine with palmer lucky on the cover you know the time like magazine years after yeah, yeah. yeah. Expensive. i actually my wife got it for me for christmas that year and i have it oh, really? like uh, yeah i actually have it and i burst into tears at the time because i was like I, I didn't think you could do it it was just really weird you know when someone gets you something that like you you had abandoned hope and it was like a dream of yours for ages uh-huh. i know it's silly now because this was all before the political stuff happened with lucky but um man yeah that that hit me in the heartstrings that's great find Nathan. Yeah, great awesome find. find. Yeah. Awesome yeah. find. And yeah. so so this is the the prototype between the DK1 and the DK2. Yes, yes. Awesome. Uh, there isn't that much info on it. Uh, I'm trying to backtrack now how many got made and also um like what happened to most of them because I read that the developers who received them from from the team, they had to send it back because there was an NDA on it mm. and some of them didn't and they just kept it. Um, so yeah, I'm really curious, uh, uh, where these are, you know, uh, floating around. It's nice. like, I found one of those ED cartridges of the VR yeah, industry. You, you found a, a raw, a rare, a rare Charizard, you know, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. some kind of like dumpster, like hmm. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Nice yeah. little, uh, nice little find there, dude. Yes. Well, next up, this guy's VR style is on point. He even bought a white PC case so he could color coordinate it with the quest Two. It's the one and only rowdy VR. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I, I I got my quest two right here now as well. So uh, I've been I've been playing around with that a little bit uh, this week, uh, and I'll be sharing my impression on that later, I guess. Or are yep. we doing that now already? Yeah, we can um, we can jump into that a little bit later. And you and Zim can talk about it because you both got them yeah, this week, sure. right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, sure. But we- um, no, it's uh, it's it's nice that I, I got one here. The only thing I, I need now is a is is a working PC because now now it's uh, mostly serving as a stand for my Oculus Quest, but uh, it doesn't look that great as a stand. Wow. I feel like at this point we need to we'll open like that. a a GoFundMe or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I was going to say, roll, like, roll in the donations for Rowdy's PC. Come like, on, let's can, help can him can out. Like, I'm, I'm gonna get it fixed, but it's just you know like there's a lot of costs associated with moving to a different country, and they keep on piling up. And every week I need to postpone it because something else came. No, up. I understand. But, yeah. Moving, moving. Eventually, eventually, I will. I yeah. will, guys. Trust what, me. On that what, one. like, Rowdy? What game would force you to like buy all of your hardware instantly? Well, Star Wars Squadron, Squadrons, but it's not. It's not a problem about about me not wanting it. <laughs> it's it's literally about no. me, like you know, like hmm, should I eat bread and soup this week or should I go for yeah. the processor? Like <laughs> beans, beans. <laughs> well, yeah, we understand, you know, you, you moved to the other side of the world of course, and, uh, you know, it's going to take you time to settle in. But looking forward to you uh, getting back on board so we can play together because we've got a play session sure. of Squadrons uh, tomorrow, in fact. Uh, so very much looking forward to that. But we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up, this guy is the green leader navigating this squadron of VR enthusiasts through the asteroid field that is the Internet. It's a VR streamer, Zimtok5. How you doing? 
Yeah, I'm great. This is one of those weeks where, you know, like your nerves feel like they they're they're too they're too much on electric like electric feel. Mm-hmm. Man, like so many things are just happening all at once. Like great games are coming out, and uh, yeah, the Quest Two showed up out of the blue in the middle of my week, and I was like, I don't have time. I got to work until 11 p.m. tonight. I can't do this. And uh, but I had a great unboxing of that. And uh, honestly, I know we're gonna talk Quest later, but. Um, I'll say something now about it that I am so super happy about. For anyone who's been following my broadcast on Quest, I use a screen copy method to get stuff to the screen, and uh, there's no screen tear anymore. They fixed it. So at a software level, there was a problem with the Quest. It wasn't there with the Go. It's not there with Quest 2. So I'm kissing goodbye to Quest. Uh, (laughs) And that was probably my highlight of the week, was just a small little niggle that if you're a creator and you have this little niggle that's like a thorn in your side for years that you just want to get rid of and you try so hard, um, that's finally gone. It feels so good. So that's my mm. highlight of the week. No nice. screen tear. That's gone. It's like of all Happy the things out. he could have mentioned about the no. Quest 2, he mentions this. I love it. But it's the I same with it. us, isn't it? Like, yeah, how, no, true, true. How, I'm like, how, wow, I can finally decently record with it. Yeah. Well, of course, I couldn't. So With, yeah, with no. no audio desync, you know, amazing. We're that very... would be my like actual review of the headset. Just like, <laughs> oh hey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, great to hear it. Looking forward to hearing your uh, both of your first impressions of the quest too um, a little bit uh, in a little bit. Uh, but first, I should introduce our special guest this week, um, our very first mm. digital guest as well. She's a, a VTuber and host of the virtual reality show on YouTube. It's Fia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, my name's Fia. I host the virtual reality show on YouTube. I am also a VTuber slash VStreamer over on Twitch, and I make virtual content as a virtual avatar. Um, VR is my biggest passion. I make a whole bunch of different kind of content over on my channel, um, whether that's kind of VR philosophy and what that means, or I talk to interesting people and their unique experiences in VR, or I just talk about fun hardware like the Oculus Quest 2, which unfortunately I have not received yet, but I'm super excited (laughs) to get that here in October. No, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm looking forward to talking uh, to you more later on about like VTubing and how you got into it and the sort of the tech behind it as well, because it, although it looks super slick, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into making it look this great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, looking forward to talking more about that later on, but Fia's going to be chiming in with her thoughts on some of the topics that we're going to be discussing this week too. Um, so you don't, if you don't know who I am, my name is Mike from Virtual Reality Oasis, um, but uh, before we get into what I played this week, uh, maybe we should find out what the chat have been up to. Uh, they've always got some great suggestions. Mm. Yes, so they played some juicy titles, man. This 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 has been the week for uh, VR gaming, right? Um, Absolutely. So, um, Alakazam has been playing Star Wars Squadrons and Solaris, and then we have Pyro sixty two um, has been playing Until You Fall on the Quest, and is waiting to get Saints and Sinners Day One on Quest Two. So good. And uh, then last but not least, we have ARS who played Iron Man VR. So yeah, those are one of the definitely like highlights of this year already. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, Iron and Man of course, VR like, people are still playing Half-Life Alex too. So yeah, uh, not bad. Awesome. Great suggestions. Yeah. Well, my highlight was definitely Squadrons, uh, but we're going to be talking about that shortly. So I think we'll breeze past that, go straight <laughs> into the news, and then we can get straight into the juicy stuff. Um, but before we get into the topics this week, I want to say that we're literally on the verge of 5,000 subscribers on the channel. So uh, I just wanted to... Oh, yeah. 
I just wanted to say wow. thank you to everyone, um, you know, that supported the channel and, you know, or listens to the show on the audio version. Uh, we really, really appreciate all the support. And I'm also happy to announce that if we hit 5,000 subscribers during the show, uh, Nathie will do a little dance for you live later on. So, um, you know, hit that subscribe button and watch uh, Nathie do a dance for us. Well, it's always better than Mike trying to sing a Beat Saber song. That's true. So that is very, very true. I'm yeah, down. Wow. You, you okay. don't want that again. Yo, so you're screwing me live? Like, you didn't tell me about this. He did, he did wait, tell me. Wait like, a minute. You volunteered for this before the show. Wait, he's wait, look, look at his face. He's I enjoying his way wait. to watch that now. This <laughs> <laughs> freaking bastard. Like, I have, he's waiting. He's waiting three years. Yeah. To kind of, you know, like troll me this way. It's so this sad. is my moment. But hey, sure. It's actually, we discussed this last week. Yeah. You had a briefing about this? Okay. Nathan trolls <laughs> me on a daily basis behind the scenes. So this is, this is my oh, payback. What the heck? Um, but yeah, uh, be before we get into that, so let us, let us know if you hit the, if we hit the 5k, just let I'll us know stop. in the chat. And then do that. Uh, people said it's already happened. It's already happened. Is it really? Can, really? can we verify this? I'm going to check. I'm okay. going to but check. it's uh, it's amazing though. Like uh, hitting yeah. 5k is 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 really decent for a VR podcast. It might sound kind of you know small in 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 the big spectrum of our own channels, but uh, 5k is is amazing. I'm I'm so proud of what we have you know uh, pulled off here. So yeah. Uh, well, apparently we have go. hit 5k. So should we yeah. should we just yeah. give a little dance? We already dance. did before you even suggested this. <laughs> Should we, we get the little dance out of the way? Mike, Mike had like five a... accounts open to, to kind of... What kind of dance? Like, I don't even... I, can we do a chair yet. dance? Because that's dance, my chair personal dance. favorite. Yeah. Chair the dance, a bit the, of a... The, remember yeah. the chair dance that you did with the music? We're going to have to make the beat, everybody. Right, okay. Fia, you're in on this. All right. <laughs> Feel free to join in. <laughs> Sorry, audio listeners. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> nice. Good nice job. one, Nathy. Nice one, Nathy. Good job, We actually didn't hit, uh, we didn't hit 5K, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you unsub and then resub again, he has to do it again. <laughs> I'm joking. No, oh good God. work, dude. Good work. Wow. Great. Man. Good for being good sport. I've good been job, waiting Lance. for three years to do this. Yeah, congrats, everyone. Congrats. Yeah. Um, right. So let's get into the first little bit then. And th this is um, about Zim and Rowdy getting their Oxus Quest 2s this week. Oh and uh, we can talk about their little sort of hands-on impressions, a bit of a roundtable discussion about it as well. Also, if you've got any questions that you want to ask them about, you know, the Quest 2 in general, then feel free to go ahead and maybe between the four of us, we should be able to get you covered. So um, we should go straight to it. So what do you guys think of the Oculus Quest 2 so far? Rowdy first. Okay. Me first? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Great. Right off the zip. Unless you want me to, I'm fine. Either either's good. No, it's... Um... Like, I mean, it's a great headset, you know, like it, it, the stupid thing I was thinking, like, you know, how, uh, like, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, this is probably the best mobile VR headset that is out there. But then again, it's the only one that is really out there. Mm -hmm. um, so the only comparison I can make is like, how does it compare to the Quest, the original Quest, right? Mm -hmm. And the main issue that I had with the Quest out of all of them was comfortability. And I don't really have the feeling that this with the Quest 2 has been uh, resolved. Um, mm -hmm. For the record, I got just uh, the standard version. I don't have the elite strap, so mm -hmm. it's yeah. just the standard version, and I don't like it. I don't like the the, uh, the the strap on it. I think that the elite strap, even though I haven't tried it, is going to be way better. And 
for me at least, it needs to be included in the cost of the quest. Now, I don't remember the exact price of the of the elite strap. Uh, Forty nine. Anyone can help me out with that. How much? Eighty. Forty nine. So fifty U.S. dollars. Yeah. Fifty dollars. So, yeah. like for, for me at least, I would I would say that the quest to the the price it would be three hundred fifty dollars then in total. Um, I, I I think that is the 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 actual price for the quest two. That being said. Um, the screen has been upgraded. The resolution is better. The clarity is better. Uh, it feels like a like an upgrade, but I'm still uh, I don't know if you remember what I said last time. I'm still convinced that it's it's not really worthy of the number two there. I don't feel that the upgrade has been in such a way that this is like the the big next generation. Of course, there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be updated and still uh, a lot of stuff coming out. And we got 90 hertz coming and, and all of these things that are, are, are being integrated as well, which I think is great. Um, but for me, the, 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 the biggest thing about this new headset is the price. I think that the price uh, is the main attraction for this. Yeah. Um, but I still think that the original Quest is a very decent headset. Like I, I don't really see as... As, as like the big upgrade from the quest uh, that the quest 2 is um, yeah. but in general i feel like it's 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 a it's a great headset but the the biggest thing about it is the price and i find that the comfortability for me has not been really that much improved uh, over to the quest mm. but yeah it's and better that, it's interesting cuz uh, that 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 the secondary market and for anyone who is watching i've i've been trying to sell vr equipment so the secondary market for quests has been seriously depressed in terms of the price that you can get a quest for, which is mm. great if you're you know struggling for money and you're like, oh, I mean you can get quests for two hundred pounds now. Mm. And I'm sure two hundred dollars. That's the thing. Like, I, I, I don't. If someone would get the original quest now, I don't think that the experience that they have will be far less than the experience that they would have with the quest two. Yeah. Um, well, the content. And, and the content is exactly the same right now. Yeah. What? It, the content is exactly the same that you have access yeah, to on both exactly, headsets. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be for quite a time going forward. Yeah. All right. Well, I I like that. Uh, I like that. I disagree with you because uh, it always makes Ooh. for a more interesting podcast. Ooh. So I'm going to say a couple Fight. of things. <laughs> and when I say I disagree with you, I disagree with all three of these bastards. For now, I've had an hour only contact with the headset, so bear that in mind because this might change. But it. My wife. My wife summed up my opinion. I think better than I can sum it up. And she said, this little thing, the Oculus Quest 2, is like a, uh, it's like a, like a present from the devil. It's almost like the perfect VR headset to me at the moment, in that there's almost nothing I can see wrong with it. Nathan mentioned the, uh, the, the lenses and the screen reflection, and I wouldn't call that God rays or anything else. It's like when you step from the DK2, many of you won't have had this experience, which had like clear lenses. I went to a CV1, <clears throat> which had like God rays. It, I, I, can, I kind of equate it to that. There's a slight ghosting or blur on certain text edges, uh, like a trailing. Of By the way, I never, I never said God rays, just saying. Okay. Uh, maybe, <laughs> again, maybe, uh, how would you describe it? It's but like, like this, like we, that... we talk about like this mist, right? That was kind of like this gloom, this bloomy kind of... Okay, yeah, exactly. That's feel. why I'm equating it to CV1, because it, it kind of gives yeah. me a similar feel. But, um, they're, they're, like, it feels like they've, they've, they've solved a lot. Like, I loved my quest. Like Rowdy, the quest does get uncomfortable after a time. I don't find this strap to be substantially less comfortable than the ghost strap. I find it to be fine. 
like it's a notch down from the ghost trap um some people who i'm talking to other creators and stuff are saying it's a notch up which i wouldn't necessarily agree with myself if you, but if you compare if to i the bought goal, this say. for two if i bought this for 300 bucks and there wasn't an elite strap i probably wouldn't be complaining i probably just you know wouldn't know yeah, any better of course. you know what i mean it's the, it's the price that like, is great on this headset it's insane no it's insane because like the lenses on this to me are the closest in terms of headsets that i've tried are closest to the index um which is which is insane like the clarity in the text is like i'm reading it off of my monitor uh now mm -hmm. and and the screen door if you want to call it that now for me is indiscernible i can still tell i'm wearing a headset but it's now to the point where it's like before i've always seen screen door to some extent and now i don't see screen door uh mm -hmm. it's i see a kind of like a mild headset blur now not discernible and maybe that's just my eyes i mean i'm 35 and i've been staring at screens my life the other thing that really surprised me in terms of the features that i wasn't expecting to improve do you guys remember when the quest launched and it had a, an audio crackle and they had to back off the net volume of the audio to get away from that so mm -hmm. people in beat saber were, were complaining because the audio wasn't good enough for them i'm talking mm -hmm. just from the sidebar audio yep um now, I'm not talking about the sidebar audio, but when I pipe into the 3.5 mil jack without, with external headphones, it, it, this thing now pushes, and that's an 18 ohm headset. Impedance matters for people who know headsets, so that's a pretty low resistive, res, uh, resistivity in the headset. In terms of the drive, it's driving those headphones beyond my comfortable listening, which means it's pushing more volume out of the headset, which is a great thing. Um, I don't know how they achieved that, fixing the screen tear, great optics the new home environment is fantastic it really put a smile to my face um and then just the menus are just smoother everything runs like smoother it's just snappier i think you guys were totally right in saying that it's um it's just a it's a fantastic all-around headset and really just yeah. i i have to on that on that i see why you're on the knife edge rowdy and or behind the fence no, no, but I, on, I agree on number with two but i i, I think yeah. this plus what they're going to be doing with the like the infinite office and it just this is this is quest 2 i'm i'm really surprised yeah like i mean i agree with all of that i think that they improved on all of the things i'm, I'm just wondering if the improvement in the technical aspect yeah. is for me enough to give it you know the next oh. generation the, of of the quest i, I, yeah. I think i but think i, I agree I've, with like like all of the all of the improvements that have been made are in the right direction it's yeah. just like the i, I kind of wanted to go even further like, the, battery, the battery door okay a couple other things the battery door improvement and the way the battery is held in so it doesn't jostle around if you're playing a heavy Beat Saber session. It's a it's a it's a plunger now um, with actually like the, the head of the battery is held in place. It's not a spring system, which is good for a few reasons. You can't wreck the spring uh, and it's much tighter fit on the door. So they fixed that. You guys had said that before, but it's like it's an impressive fix. It's actually hard to kind of take the battery door off now. Um, and then the weight of the headset was the only thing that maybe surprised me in like a negative capacity. I mean, the audio is not going to compare to anything else, not CV1, not Index. Um, of course, I, I don't even use the sidebar audio. I always go with headphones. But um, it's a little bit like, um, it felt more dense to me. But it also looked, the footprint of it is like smaller, more compact than I was expecting. And that extends from the box through to the headset footprint, mm -hmm. the curvature on it. It's a beautiful little device. And I think it's the first headset that I could comfortably to like the populace out there be like just go and buy it yeah 
And I think, you yeah. know, I, I totally agree with Zim in that I do think it's worthy of the, the two. Um, and I think the thing that I'm more excited about than anything else is the features that haven't been announced yet that are likely exactly. going to be coming down the pipeline because, mm. you know, this XR2 chipset, you know, not only does it mean the headset boots faster from, you know, powering it on, games load faster, hand tracking feels smoother, everything, everything feels smoother, yeah. but there is so much power behind that chipset. Mm. Um, you know, we've seen it and we're going to be talking about it shortly in terms of 90 hertz. Um, but it's the features. Maybe you know, once they unlock that, I'll change my mind. They haven't announced yeah, yet. That, well, see, that's it. I feel like I'm maybe rounding up. Like if it's a, if it's a 1.8 or a 1.9 right now, I still feel like it's a two because I've seen what they did with Quest and where yes. it went with like hand tracking. Yeah. Yeah. This thing has that capability built into it. Mm. I've already seen that, so I'm kind of, to an extent, like Mike, I'm forecasting the next six months what that's going to bring us. The next 12 months what that's going to bring us. Um, and some of the features they've already mentioned. Like, I, right now, sitting where I'm sitting, I have no interest at the moment in, like, the AR side of Oculus and, and Facebook's, you know, virtual reality labs right now because there's nothing mm. for me to get excited about. Same. This thing's in but my hands, you... and it immediately, and this is probably the first time it's happened to me in the last, like, two years or so, it, it's immediately relegated my Quest to the box. I, I, I mm. still use my Go because it's great for media and stuff. It's a great little screen, very comfortable. But the Quest has been replaced, totally. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I hope so. But uh, let, let me ask you all, of, all for a question. Yeah. To people who have a Quest right now, would you tell them, get the Quest 2? Yeah. Yeah, straight yeah. away. Nathy? <laughs> well, if you have the money for it, yeah. 300 I, bucks. Sell your, sell your Quest for 200. You're paying 100 bucks for this. I would, I would say um, I would say it's not an essential upgrade if you're a, an original Quest owner, only because the content library is exactly the same and it will be for the foreseeable future. I think it'll be a while before we start seeing Quest 2 exclusive content. But I think, you know, if you're a, a newcomer that's been on the fence about pulling the trigger on a VR headset, you know, you've kind of like dipped in and out. You've been like, oh, you know, it's got some cool stuff. I'm not quite sure. Like this is the headset that you should without doubt buy. Yeah, um, and, and that is the reasoning that I'm having a little mm. bit with saying... I don't really feel that at this moment right now yeah. that I can say that this is a Quest 2. With all the features that yeah, are going to get but announced. the issue is, right? There's two issues the games here. that are going to get uh, announced, then yes, for sure. There's yeah. two issues here. It's erosion. It's an issue of erosion, right? And I've just experienced this trying to sell off VR equipment. Like your existing Quest will not be more valuable than it is right now. The stock of the Quest 2, if you want it in the next four months, order now. Because mm. you're getting pushed back in the queue for manufacturing. I'm telling you, from the experience I've had with this headset, like, the, and I'm, I'm not paid by Facebook to say this. I generally, I don't use Facebook. I'm not like that. And yes, I got this from them. But I am so impressed with this headset. It's so easy to use. It's so light. It even fits in the original Oculus Go box without the controllers. And, 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 it's so portable. It's just like... And the funny thing is, I, we, I haven't wanna, e wait. we haven't even touched on how better games will look using this yet. Like, you can access the same content, but like we mm. already know from yeah. like uh, Vertical Robot that Red Matter, they've already optimized it for Quest 2 to look better. Yeah. Mm. And, and you know, I know that there is some awesome games coming up that are going to get yeah. the 90 hertz update that you will definitely want to play and that will benefit there, from it. There's a, there's a counterpoint yeah. to that argument, and I, I hate to bring it up, but you got to know it if you're going to go into this. So because it's a higher resolution panel, because the clarity is improved, older stuff that wasn't made for this headset starts to show its age. For instance, older 360s, older um, textures in certain games. I've been noticing that quite starkly, like I did when I got the CV1. And you looked back at DK2 stuff. Nathan, you'll remember that transition. 
mm-hmm. stuff looks old or it looks dated or it doesn't look quite like it was made for the headset. And that's the only disadvantage yeah, but, of but, but even, even with, with no, no, But like even without that, things will be dated because if you now play a game from 2016, it's also not that great anymore. Mm. So it doesn't need to necessarily have something to do with, with hardware in any way. But something that I find very interesting is that the community seems to seek a lot behind the the, the two mark and saying like, oh, that must be because, you know, that they measure that with hardware and software. But honestly... What I think the two basically means is they don't want consumers to get confused with the first one. So they mm. they just call it two and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what it has to offer. That's mm. that's what I think. But isn't it going to yeah, just I think go that's... into a cycle of, um, of just like Apple has, like annual updates, new headset every year, you know, that type of a thing. Like, do you, could you yeah, see but... them going in down that route now? Oh, yeah. well, there's a big possibility now. If you see how fast they killed off the Rift S, for example... Uh... It, there is a possibility where you can quickly make something new again, and it's all—it's like from now on, it's all about software. Yeah. Uh, and 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 if they they stop yeah. pushing updates, say with the, like, you know, if the Quest One, if 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 they if they announce that they're gonna stop doing updates, then sell it as soon as you can, because yeah. it's gonna be like unusable. It's gonna get slow and stuff. And so yeah, I, thing, I do think the, I do think the, so. The, one other maybe negative that I, when I said that it was like a gift from the devil. Uh, it's really obvious to me they've undercut the price of manufacturing this headset. That feels like a six hundred dollar headset to me, to be honest. Um, and that I was think with it's the original Quest as well, and as well yeah. with the with the original Rift. And it was, mm. and, but I, I really feel like they've taken that trick and then doubled down against it. Mm. And in this, if like if you're uncomfortable with the Facebook ecosystem, what they've done in the world and all that kind of stuff, that'll push you against this, right? Fair enough, and you're not going to get on this boat. Um, if That's you what a lot can, of technology, though. It, it is, and it's like if you can get comfortable with that, I don't see any well, major detractors from this headset. I mean, the in, in the end, in the end, the discount you get is the data that you give them for the upcoming years. So, yeah, but and I think Rowdy, you were saying on price because price is the is really the number one, as you said, yeah. spear through the heart in this. Would you, by design, have sold this at three fifty with the elite strap? Uh, what I mean, you can by just. Uh... By adding it to the to the package, we didn't have that option because you know we got sent the headset no, no, by Facebook. I mean, you're the product manager, sitting at Facebook, right? You're at the roundtable. You're deciding how am I going to release this device, and would you would you have chosen not to sell the variant of the headset that we got shipped? No, no, no. I definitely would have would have shipped it like it is because it makes more sense to be selling a headset under three hundred dollars. Yeah. But I think that the experience, um, at least the one that I had, because I immediately, as soon as I put it on, I think seven, eight minutes, I immediately had pain points on the side of my head, which was mm-hmm. something that I didn't really have with the Quest. It was more like the front heavy, but here, like for some reason, was on the sides of my head. Um, and I, like, I, I think that like saying that this headset is under $300, for me, my personal experience is probably not true because I need to get that elite strap in order to have to have mm. it replace my well, original quest yeah, to have but it replace technically, my Rift S. technically on paper you can wear it for 300 bucks well yeah you don't even need a strap then you can also hold it like <laughs> no, that no but that, that's I mean, the whole thing <laughs> you don't technically you don't have to because you can wear it no but it's a, it's a marketing trick you yeah, know? No, virtual it's a boy owner virtual boy owner to say you know, yeah get a stand for it one question i just want to ask to summarize nice. this um so does it replace your rift s as well as the original quest zim well that's uh, the thing i'm saying like if i get the elite strap 
then probably yes, because okay. I still find the Rift S a very comfortable headset. And when I do recordings or when I have long gameplay sessions, I want a headset that is comfortable. Sure. And at this point in time, that is not the case. And I think that has only to do with the strap, not with mm. the resolution. I think every, everything on the headset yeah. is probably better than my other headsets that I have at home here. But it's not comfortable enough for me to, to now say at this point, at least, I'm going to get rid of the rest. Okay. What yeah, about you, Zim? I'm so... Again, I've had an hour with the device, so I'll caveat what I'm saying. But I don't see myself necessarily using it. Um, if I was going to sit in my chair and use a device to play games with, and say virtual desktop, uh, for example, um, I, I would probably go for for. I would instead go for Rift S. I would just Rift S for a straight gameplay. I might try this for virtual desktop, like wireless streaming mm -hmm. and use it that way because okay. the panel is so nice, yep. but it doesn't immediately replace my Rift S yet. I need okay. more playtime with it. Well, let, 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 let's touch on that again. Park that little thought in your mind and let's touch on that again later on when we talk about virtual desktop. Um, let's pass this over to Fear. Like, what do you think of Quest 2? Because I, I saw you, you, you know, you've covered it on the channel. Um, you know, you're excited about the headset. Did you pre-order one? Um, you know, what games are you looking forward to uh, with this new headset? Yeah, so I did put in a pre-order um, for it back when they announced it. And um, so I'm an Index user right now. Uh, mm -hmm. I upgraded from the Rift S to the Index. And obviously, you know, I, I love that headset so much. Um, and I think the main reason that I've decided to get uh, an Oculus Quest 2 um, really comes down to some of the things that I'm more so excited about that are going to be like Facebook exclusive. And I know that's a bit of a hot take because people are not, <laughs> they're not happy with uh, some of the things they're doing. But um, I really think that Facebook is, you know, really driving a lot of innovation in what they're doing. And I think one of the things I'm really excited about is Infinite um, Office, which I'm mm. really excited about. I love the idea of being able Makes to take... Sense for you. Yeah, exactly. Because I work, you know, I have to do all my research, all my scripting, you know, all the stuff that I do. I would love to take that VR, um, you know, experience with me, like anywhere I want to go. If I want to like hang out with my family, well, I can still, you know, see what's going on around me while I have my headset on. I can take it, you know to my friend's house if I'm staying or if I'm traveling. And I absolutely adore that. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I think it's a really great headset. Um, and I think it'll, you know, pave a lot of different paths. But I think the real, real selling point for me personally was looking forward to all the Facebook applications that are going to be mm -hmm. exclusive to it here, like, forth in the future. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people were super uh, excited about Horizon as well. And it's a shame that... You know, they, I think they missed an opportunity there to release Horizon when the headset gets released to the public. I think we're going to have to wait a little bit longer still. And in terms of the beta as well, I think it's only open to US residents still at the moment. I don't think anyone mm. outside of the US has got access. So again, that's another missed opportunity, I think, in my opinion. But yeah, I totally agree. I think Infinite Office looks awesome. And, uh, you know, if you don't know what Infinite Office is, we talked about it on a previous episode of the podcast. But, um, you know, I think generally speaking, I think everyone that's pre-ordered and, and, you know, is, is yet to get the headset, I think they're going to be very happy with their purchasing decision, whether it's an upgrade from Original Quest or you're a new yeah. VR user. I think you're going to be happy regardless. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Sure. I mean, it's a great, like, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, the negative one of the bunch because I, I really think it's a, it's a great headset. It's just... You know, I, I always wonder about like you know the downsides and like the, uh, the 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 disadvantages that come with that. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I agree with it. With and it. I, I think as well, it's important for us, you know, as as a show, to have like different opinions on stuff. And I think that's what makes yeah, it more sure. interesting as well for for people watching and listening. Yeah. Plus, so. plus, I like what Rowdy does. Like, it's it's very important to look at a product from the base package. What do you get for it? No matter what solution you have next mm. to it, it's like this is what you get. 
is it good or is it not good? And yeah. then you can look at accessories because otherwise you can solve every problem. Yeah, and that's true. Just talking about accessories, there was a question I wanted to answer. And I know you guys said, <clears throat> particularly with the Elite Strap, like won't fit in the original Quest case and stuff. But if you are if you are an owner of like a Go or a Quest case, the official cases from Oculus, uh, the Go case, again, I'm thinking about travel and I know right now that's the last thing people are doing. Um, but the Oculus... Uh, Quest 2 fits in the Go case without mm. the controllers with the soft strap. So if you're just like a standard consumer, like many Go users are, and you just want to upgrade from Go to Quest 2, you can do that, use that case, and then throw your controllers in. Because they're quite hardy, actually. Those new controllers are robust pieces. I mean, someone's probably going to x-ray your suitcase and wonder if you've got some adult toys stashed away. But hey, uh, and then and then in the Quest 1 case... The actual flap for the, um, what do you call that, like an inlay for the uh, original Quest controllers, mm -hmm. if you cut that out, uh, the new controllers fit in and the new headset fits in. Again, sans, so mm -hmm. without the Elite strap attached, but it becomes the perfect protector again. So okay. don't necessarily jump to buying, you know, spending 50 bucks on, on a new case. Um, and if you are a traveler at some point in the future, catching up on this podcast in 2023, then maybe pick up a used Go case and uh, how, use it how, for your How much two. was the uh, Go uh, case, by the way? Because Another the, 50, yeah. Also 50 back Another then. 50, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like for me, for instance... Because I was right? like, oh, now it's more expensive suddenly. I'm like, hmm. Okay. I think the new yeah. case is the same price. So it's yeah, just a case of if you have one of the original ones lying around, you can you can repurpose it. That's all. Yeah. So so that's what I'm saying is that like, although the new case is nice because it's that like light speckled gray. It's lovely, lovely looking. Mm -hmm. And I love their cases. Um, they really have done a good job. As you know, I've gone as far as like California to Scotland testing virtual, you know, virtual desktop at that distance, I've taking it on various boats and airplanes and stuff. So I've got a lot of travel experience. And all I can say is uh, this thing, it tra it'll travel like a go if you don't have the elite strap. And if you have the elite strap, it's going to travel like an original quest and you need the new case. True. Yep. Good summary. Okay, well, that's our thoughts uh, on the Quest 2 so far from these guys that just got hands-on with it this week. Um, and maybe we should move on with our hands-on impressions of some other bits and pieces, maybe not so positive, um, starting with the Walking Dead Onslaught, because there was two big games coming out this week. There was Walking Dead Onslaught and there was Star Wars Squadrons. And I think, you know, it's fair to say, you know, well, from my perspective, at least, I was excited about both of them. Uh, one of them turned out to be not particularly great one turned out to be great so let's talk about the one that didn't turn out to be great first and that is sadly the walking dead onslaught um it's a bit of a shame with Talked this one about it last week yeah, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a shame with this one because you know um it's made by servios they've got a good track record of making great vr games you know sprint vector um was it raw data um what was the uh, the other Westworld. one? Westworld, um, you know, Westworld, was, was a Creed. great experience. Creed, you know, some really solid VR titles there. Um, but it seems like they've really dropped the ball on Onslaught. And Nathan and I actually got to play this um, in advance, and and we were both extremely disappointed with the game and gave them a lot of feedback about it. And that was prior to it even releasing. And mm -hmm. then you know, unsurprisingly, when it did finally release, we see a lot of the negative reviews coming out. And yeah. um, I think a lot of the criticism uh, is about how arcadey it feels. And and how everything, yeah, it's, it's just very much an arcade title across the board. And as we know, Servios own a chain of like arcade, mm. you, you know, uh, locations. So it seems that this game was clearly made for those, but then was eventually just ported as a kind of like a little side project to to home oh, yeah. consumers. But so, it didn't so pay can, off in the end. 
Can we make it more specific? Because when you say arcade, like arcade is not necessarily a bad uh, thing. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but in this case, it certainly is. Um, yeah. Because basically, I, uh, let's say if I would play this in an arcade, and I never played the, I, I, I still think even that it's pretty bad. You would be <laughs> I happy. still think it would be fun to play for some reason. Yeah, and maybe yeah. we should just do a little roundtable. Like, who's who actually played it this week? Um, Nathan and I obviously played it. Rowdy, did you, did you get to play it? No, after after I saw the videos on yeah. it, uh, I was like severely disappointed. <laughs> okay. I was like, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, but ran out of time. But it, I, I, I had a really good heart to heart with somebody who played it a lot, and and the comparison that stood out to me as somebody who likes The Walking Dead: Saints and Sinners as my second all time favorite VR game, is the knife mechanic is binary. So instead of there feeling like a forceful jab into the skull of the thing that you're coming after, right, and feeling like you got a stab in momentum, it's like a pop gun. You like yeah. touch touch a head and like oh that guy goes down and i thought that description immediately put me off so yeah. i do i am going to try it but i heard you guys you know talk <laughs> about it recently and yeah that was enough to put me off of it for now what about you fear have you played this one yet no i haven't played either um i've seen gameplay of both uh i probably would not touch the walking dead um uh, star <laughs> wars i'd like to give a shot for sure and i watched uh, nathy's video on that and it seemed like he really enjoyed it so i'd like to um give it a shot after that Nice, nice. So yeah, basically to go back to Zim's point about the knife, you know, um, it has no um, durability, so it doesn't wear over time. And like you said, you you can approach a whole crowd of walkers and mm. you're actually better off using a knife than a gun. You just literally, like you say, just go pop, 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 yeah. pop, pop, like whack-a-mole on their heads and they're this all dead. Is, that, that's on every difficulty. Uh, that's yeah. also on the hardest difficulty. Oh. Uh, the zombies don't seem to uh, have more, let's say, HP or anything. Uh, weirdly enough, when I uh, watched my video back that I did at their office uh, about a year ago, um, you could shoot a zombie in the head and it would instantly die. And now, now it's out and you have to shoot like a zombie in the head like three, four times before it dies. I'm like, what happened? Like someone has been messing around with like the numbers and it's like, huh? Um, but yeah, from the gameplay side, it's 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 like arcadey, but like going real far with that where it just doesn't feel realistic at all. The zombies are like these these fall guys that are just made out of jello and they just move in weird ways that are not like realistic. They just don't react to physics very well. They are not dangerous. They are not scary. Um, if you think about, like you said, waves of zombies, well, a wave of zombies in, in, in Onslaught means that it's just a picture of zombies next to each other. It's like a wall that comes closer, that kind of chases you down. Um, but... Yeah, and, and you know, it, it, I I uh, I watched like uh, GT's video on it, and I think it did a really great job of like highlighting, you know, what the what the problems are with the game, and yeah. like like the wall is something that he highlights, you know, like that that wall that is coming closer of like the horde. But the stupid thing is, if if you go into that, there's just like this pop up that comes on the screen if you like being bitten. Yeah, which is just like it's like the, the worst thing that you can do in virtual reality, and that coming from a studio. That has made raw data. That has made Westworld. That 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 made. I mean, even like Battlewake, which was a trash game. I mean, they 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 should know this. They know it is, but still they include that in there. And oh, then this... the most hilarious part was when uh, there was a scene where you had to like run away from this horde coming on, and a GT's like, "Oh no, the zombies are here!" And he turns around and just goes like, "Pops, pops, 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 pops." <laughs> 
they all die and well, then yeah. the, the, the exciting music just like keeps on going and he yeah, that's so, it. So the problem is, it's, it's, it's not Servio's not so wanting bad. to make a great game. That's not the problem here. It's like The Walking Dead Onslaught shows a couple of problems here. It shows that during the pandemic, this giant it's a ginormous studio. Like over 100 people uh, were working there in the office. You instantly need to find a different way of, you know, finding a workflow for the whole studio. So that that's something that kind of screws up development. Then that's you not have, an excuse. No, wait, 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 that's wait. Not I'm not, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. There, there's more. And that, no, it's not an excuse because if you release it, you need to apologize uh, to the community for making a bad game. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like, next to that, then you also have this problem of, of course, competition coming by. Skydance, who also makes a game. And because of that, they were completely in panic mode and they didn't know what to do anymore. And you can see that in the game. They tried to reshape this game like four times. First, it was a co-op game. Then it was a single player game. Then it was kind of open world. Then it wasn't. So you can just see like this This, mm. this game tries to be everything. But in the end, it doesn't. It isn't anything. Like but I'm talking, I'm talking purely about like the design choices of like, you know, like having that pop up on the screen, like. Like, you're not going to tell me that, that the big VR studio as, for example, Servio is still not aware that, you know, these kind of things in virtual reality are just, are just bad, bad yeah. design from the get-go. I totally agree with your point. Totally agree with it. And I think the problem is with them is that Skydance did such an amazing job with The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. And what yeah. they really highlighted in that game was that <laughs> although the walkers are dangerous, other humans are far more dangerous. And that was always the case yeah. with the, the comic mm -hmm. books, always the case yeah. with the TV show, that mm -hmm. other survivors were your biggest threat. And the problem with the onslaught is you don't meet any other survivors. It's literally just uh, a walking, like a, a zombie whack-a-mole, essentially game. And <laughs> the thing is as well, they, they, they tried to shoe it, shoehorn in a story and they even hired uh, the guy that plays Daryl, um, you know, Norman Reedus, uh, to do the voice acting for Daryl, which must have cost him an absolute fortune. Yeah. And the problem is when you meet him, his character is so wooden, um, it doesn't come across very well. And the basically how the gameplay mechanic works is that you have like a flashback story from from Daryl that you go and experience and the whole experience is narrated by him so he's like oh i was i was running out of energy and then i, I found a tin of tuna on the top of a cop car and then there's a tin of tuna on the top of a cop car it's like will daryl it yeah. basically just tells you how to play the game it's like listening to a tutorial as you play the game is that bad and then you go back to your home uh, settlement and then you go on scavenger missions where you just um basically walk through maps and yeah. you suck up like different supplies you don't even have to pick them up you can just suck them up like you know using a weird sucky motion um and then you take them back to your base and then you, you expand your base um and yeah overall it, it's just um it's just really bad and, and i think it's, it's a very, real shame it's like it gets boring so quickly like it does, it's very, very repetitive uh and 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 some of the things they added to kind of extend the playtime, like those missions that you're talking about those scavenger missions they're always the same thing and they repeat yep. themselves over and over again um yep. yeah like the, the the thing is the thing is um yeah, I, I told Servios up front, said, like, this game's really bad, and you gotta tell the community that you made some mistakes. Uh, they're gonna try to fix it. That's I mean, that's what they have been saying. But this game is fundamentally broken. So ditch it and do better next time. Yeah. Because this I, game is not fixable. It's not fixable. It's 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 a it's a really bad game, man. So this is the this is this is the this is a cornerstone, and this is where I'm gonna just do an open hard level level letter to Servios. Um six months ago, uh this could have been a canceled project. And that's probably the smartest move here. Mm. The second best move here, in my opinion, when you're facing up against Saints and Sinners, keep 
co-op. In fact, double down on co-op. Yeah. Make that your yeah. unique yeah. selling point. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it would have been a smart move. It would have been a smart move because you know playing yeah. any any game, even if it's bad, if you play it with your friends, it's fun. <laughs> like, this is exactly the point. Yeah. The the social people don't. I mean, people have been trying it with VR, but it's hard because if you go many many people into a VR game, yeah. it's hard to stack up that that can of beans, right? Right now, yeah. or it has been over the last couple of years. But if it's co-op, it's pretty easy, and a lot of people have a friend or can mm. meet up with one person to try and play a game. Two, three, four, maybe. Yeah, Beyond nice. that, it gets difficult. And but, I, like, I, it really helps. It's like a Band-Aid over the bad elements of a game because it becomes funny when it's shite mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. if it's at least playable and you have a, a seamless experience, it doesn't really matter how bad the game is. You're still going to have fun with your buddy. It's it's a shame, though. Like, you have, as, as Mike said, you have the voice actors use them in your favor they didn't really do that they released some videos at the end where you know he's like i'm so excited to play the walking dead like uh onslaught um but yeah they were kind of too late and they didn't communicate much they were super silent on the whole project Mm -hmm. and if you played westworld awakening you're like yeah if there is a is a a, you know a series then you can make a decent game so if they had the voice actors in there in, in a way where they looked super realistic and you were part of maybe a three, four hour story that was like super decent and it wasn't necessarily about killing zombies all the time and this and that. Like they, the thing is, that frustrates me. So much money went into this. AMC paid them tons of money to make this and this rolls out of it. And like how many, oper- like Skydance didn't get the voice actors. This was a good selling point, man. Like saying, yeah. like, oh, you can play as Rick and you can meet Daryl and you can join up. You can even be Daryl yeah. and Rick together and play missions that are inspired by the show. And that's not there. So they could have they could have competed with Saints and Sinners. And that would have been just based on the this, this storyline and, and mm-hmm. based on better physics. It could have still been Arcady. I think Arcady is not bad. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, but this you guys, I got a question for you all. So... Mm. Because we've all played a good number of Servios titles, if not all of them. Um, at this at this juncture, are you starting to lose faith in Servios? No, no, I don't. I don't lose faith in faith in them. You know, this is a paid project for them from from AMC. You know, AMC are the ones that probably signed off on this in the end. They probably think, you know, yeah, the, the, it's, it sucks, but we got paid for for our job. We did our job. We delivered what they wanted. That's mm. that's what they wanted. So job done. It's just a shame that Saints and Sinners was such a stellar Walking Dead game, and it just a- overshadowed this game in every every single capacity. Just, and the other thing the is, that, yeah, go on. Go on. Uh, just just another point I want to make is that you know the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners is available on Quest, and that's where the market is right now. So they missed an opportunity when they didn't bring the game to Quest, and you know the extra development mm. time they should have pe- pushed for a Quest build. Although still a bad game mm. is a bad game, regardless if it's on Quest or not. Yeah. And ju- just to round that up. Uh, for everyone listening or watching right now, skip this game and get Westworld instead, and you will not regret it. Because if there's one title that shows what Servios can do, then it's definitely that one. I tell, tell you what I want. I want to see Servios bring Sprint Vector to Quest. Court Quest. that game. Yeah. Because yeah. there's enough exercise heads out there, and yeah. that game will make you move. True. Yeah. No, I, True. I think this this studio you know, has a lot of talent. I think the arcade genre they do, they do very well. And of course, with the arcades now, they can't even, you know, get started mm. with that. This was just, uh, you know, a mistake from from both sides, and I'm sure they like they know this and they want to do better next time. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, avoid onslaught if you're yeah. in the market for a zombie game. Get Saints and Sinners. <laughs> it's available on all platforms. Um, did you play Saints and Sinners, Fia? Have you ever played that one? No, I haven't. I can't say your is exactly <laughs> my thing. 
it's, it's, if you ever get the opportunity to play it, I re- highly recommend Saints and Sinners. Even just, just for the stories, the little stories that you get involved with. Um, they're fun to watch as well from a YouTube and tre- stream perspective as well. So, um, yeah, if, if, you can, if you can stomach it, then check it out. <laughs> yeah, I have to give um, it a go then. So let's talk about Star Wars Squadrons, because this was the one that did shine for me uh, this week. Uh, although it has been getting a bit of uh, flack, actually, from the community in, in mm. some sense. Um, currently on Steam, it's got sort of mixed reviews, which I'm actually really surprised about, because I think, you know, for me, it, it, it was one of those experiences that makes you, you know, re- live out a dream of, of mine as a kid. You know, it was like sitting in the cockpit of an X-Wing and actually flying mm. it um, <laughs> and and and. and, and you know, being in the arcades and, and flying, you know, X-Wings, you know, in yeah. those really retro old arcade Star Wars experiences. And this is, of course, Star Wars Squadrons. Um, so you're talking but, about reviews in general? Just in general, right? Uh, yeah, on Steam, um, currently sitting on Mixed, which I'm yeah, surprised so not, about. not necessarily VR people. Just, just yeah, um, no, It's across the board. Um, yeah. No, I can tell you, more than half of the people who I know who, who picked this up, like, struggled with it. And I did as well. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it's not necessarily the performance, but a lot of the VR like control mappings. If you've done a lot of flight simming before, typically uh, your control mapping um, will be at least handheld for kind of like popular uh, popular hostesses and setups, right? This is the opposite of that. Like you need to give yourself probably an hour to figure out the game and like get your mappings and those things sorted. It even did a good job at mapping my hostess, but things like all kinds of things were inverted or mismapped or, you know, different axes were, were crisscrossed. Stuff that's like really basics. And then you've got this dead zone problem that a lot of people who are flight simmers look at this and go, and I saw it in Mike's video. It's really funny. The stick's going all over the place and the ship's not moving at all. Uh, like there are some out of the door day one type problems here that probably should have been avoided. But I do agree. This is when you go through all of that stuff and you come out the but, other end and you've managed to get it like but working well for you yeah, but then it's a very good experience but what you're saying here this is what you get when you buy a game from ea so they release it and they start fixing things later they don't do yeah, it exactly. up front because then it's they can release happening. it earlier and uh, sell more copies so this is standard uh game uh, <laughs> stuff actually uh, in, the, in the chat uh, I'm, I'm sure that mike will bring it up later as well but i just say it now uh, Paradise Decay has said it as well that uh, the EA has just announced a patch specifically yeah, uh, for virtual reality mm. uh, just before we started with the show. Yeah, so. and th- I just want to point out as well, like I'm not um, a big flight simmer. You know, people that follow the show will know that or my channel will know that. You know, I did play a little bit of a Microsoft Flight Sim uh, a few weeks back just to get some practice in before the VR update, which I'll talk about shortly as well. Um, but for me, you know, like even as someone that's not even well versed in using a, a hands-on throttle and stick in, in, a, in a flight sim game, you know, it was just a case of me like I was just like, okay, that this stick feels a bit strange. Like my throttle isn't working. I just went into mapping and then just mapped it, and in five minutes I was in the game and I was I was using it. So maybe I, I was just naive to the fact that I figured it out straight away and I just fixed it. I, I don't know. And I, I felt the controls were intuitive enough for me mm. to have a great time. I don't know, but I did see comments on my video like saying, oh, I can't believe you're using the roll as like a, a, a stick movement rather than a twist. And I was like, yeah. like, it this doesn't is, bo- this, like the thing is, that, like, uh, I don't know if people notice, but Star Wars Squadrons is is for the for the uh, VR enthusiast yeah. who loves sim uh, uh, games. Mm. This is not like if you if you want to play something that is arcadey, 
Then play Star Wars Battlefront 2 and but, and fly ship there. Well, this is on, like this is hardcore. This is this is this is arcade sim, I would call it. It's very much it's very much Okay, like okay, to you, but these... for someone like me who is not I'm really not, into sim I'm not stuff, a hardcore it, it's flight pretty sim it's pretty like I, I was struggling to get the There's controls. a lot to manage. There's a lot yeah. to so there, manage. There's a lot of detail. I absolutely agree in that. But what I'm saying is uh the the flight dynamics and, and what you're controlling is actually mm. like a simplified version of Eve Valkyrie. And there's a lot of people yeah, okay. in VR yeah. will, who will know Eve Valkyrie, but it feels like an Eve Valkyrie done r- kind of right for 2020. Mm. And they do a lot incredibly well. For instance, the cockpit looks great. The lighting in the environments is is really nice. The fact that you can duck and weave in the various ships between bra- not just static, but dynamic breaking ships and stuff like that. And the fact that you can and you start off like in a campaign it feels very much like oh we're finally in in that mode where vr is growing up like we're finally getting games that are like full board and you can then as you're flipping between story and multiplayer matches you know have a great time so i'm liking squadrons but i definitely went through like probably hour two i'm like am i gonna have to refund this and cancel the event i've scheduled with these uh, youtubers like <laughs> i was like i was definitely 50 50ing it for a while but it's so like, i can well, totally understand why people are upset like every game that i bought from ea like after uh, like a few weeks it's 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 actually decent and it's like a good good enough of a game and that's why i always say don't pre-order things until you heard the reviews and that's the mistake people made they're like oh i already pre-ordered dang it and now this is what what i get that's what you get for pre-ordering a game. Well, I think, don't I, forget, it's it's originally it's made for an Adiza. It like, is an Xbox game. It's to, you can tell. You can so tell. So I yeah. mean, and you, I think I think you we guys should clarify. Play Hotasses, yeah, but, that you uh, can't. Probably a lot of people who don't have that. Yeah, you can't use VR motion controllers. You have to use no. an Xbox controller or you, a, a Hotas or a keyboard and mouse to control your but ship. Anyone who's just purchased a G2 should be smiling because you won't have to interface with the Windows MR controllers and well, you will have a gorgeous display, right? Like, yeah, well, although yeah. I, I don't think they're going to be smiling for too long when they realize they're going to have to buy a new graphics card on top of their G2 because well, it's yeah. a very performance-heavy game and we should talk about that as well because, wow. you know, um, well, even even with the latest NVIDIA thing? drivers... Go on. Uh, since you said that it doesn't work with the, with the regular controllers, I, I did see a video from a, from ProTube already that they managed to get it working in some kind of way using their uh, ProTAS. So yeah. uh, that oh. is something that is that they're yeah. working on. So if you want to see more of that, then keep an eye on that maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, like it's very performance heavy game, you know, tr- playing it on the index at 90 hertz um, on high or ultra settings, you're going to get well, frame drops. Wait, Mike, would... you, when you said that, that absolutely terrified me. I was sitting here with my like <laughs> old i7 and a 1080. That's what I'm running. Most people run better than that now who are creators. Well, and when you said with your awesome rig, like be careful because performance is an issue. I was like, uh oh, will it run? I did get it to run. It's not running smooth, but it's running well, I would say. I, I, so, I, like, you're right. Like, maybe, like, I don't know. Like As far as I know, the game is just not well optimized yet. You're right. So in a few yeah. weeks, uh, even if you have, let's say, a 1070 or a 1060, you could Fingers still crossed. have fun. Yeah. Um, because I, yeah. I tested it out on my 1070 uh, with an Oculus Fiber cable attached to my Oculus Quest 2. Worked fine. I had a stable frame rate of 72. Because that's that's what you you know use when you use the fiber cable right now, um, so it was fine. 
But yeah, if you're like, and that was on low, by the way, that wasn't on medium or high. Um, but even on low, this game looks amazing. Just yeah. saying. So uh, low is not not like, oh, hey, is that a TIE fighter or a pixel flying around? <laughs> or a but potato. You know what I found? <laughs> yeah, yeah. potato. Yeah, Mike, yeah, did yeah. you find this as well? Like it, the, the, the scale, and this is what, what you usually get from an, an, a sub-optimized game. Like the scale from low to ultra, uh, in terms of what you end up gaining back in terms of its performance, it doesn't seem to do a heck of a lot. No. Like you can, no. you can ramp everything up to ultra or yeah. whack it all down to low yeah. and the difference isn't huge. Like it's yeah. not 30%... Or more no, you're right, different. and that's exactly what what Nathan just said. You know, graphically, yeah. even if you whack no, it on low, it still looks because, amazing. Because because it's frostbite. So with frostbite, um, they use these you know smart phot photogrammetry where it looks realistic. So it's 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 a different engine. So it's about different stuff too, and that's mm. why putting it on low or high doesn't necessarily uh, look anything different. Yeah, but I think once you've got it running, you know, I was running it using virtual desktop wirelessly to Quest 2, which we're yeah. going to touch on very shortly. Uh, I knocked uh, the frame rate down to 80 hertz just to save me a little bit of performance headroom because I was recording it at the same time. Um, but once you've got it dialed in, you know, your HOTAS Wait, is how, set up, you've got it running. How do you control the, the frame rate? I'll explain that very shortly because I'm going to talk okay, about okay. virtual desktop. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought this was, thought this was <laughs> no, something we all knew already. No. That's fine. Thanks. Um, so once I got it all set up, once I've got got into the single player game, then, you know, I started having an amazing time. I haven't played the multiplayer yet. I'm holding off for tomorrow because we've got a, like a YouTuber, VR YouTuber multiplayer session in Squadrons, which it, I'm really looking forward dude, to. Zim's hosting it. If you play the single player, the story mode, like it, it instantly feels like you're in one of the movies. It's yeah, like... It's amazing and it's, it's awesome. beautiful if you see the whole universe. And also, it, I had like this kind of feeling of like playing uh, Star Fox or something. Yes. Where it's like these little I said the same like, thing. The, yes. people, you know, saying like, hey, hey, uh, Roger, Roger, this. And then you see this hologram, like, it's a trap. You know, it's like, ha this character is there. And then yeah. you see like when you're, because you fly in, in the missions, of course, but then you yeah. also go back to your hangar. And over there, you have like uh, little droids you can interact with. You just click yeah. a button. It's very arcadey, but it's all about the flying. So I'm not complaining. I'm already happy that EA at least decided to to be like, hmm, VR is, is interesting enough. And I, th I think exactly. we should thank yeah. the developers who worked at the team, who told the higher-ups, listen, you got to do this. Because I could, I could not imagine playing this on a pancake screen. No way. The game doesn't feel alive at all. I tried no it. Uh, I mean, it runs better, same that's here. one thing, yeah. but it, it just doesn't, it's like, it's not the same feel where it's like all the little beep boop buttons, I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is cool, man. I, this no, is I gonna seriously, sell. I love this I, shit. I, I think this great is like game. Dirt Rally 2 out the gates in that it, it's not performing great, but it, it, it has all the components of it. Mm, Once yeah. they get the ironing, you know, ironing steam out and they flatten yeah. this out and they get it performing a bit better. This is going to start selling headsets, this game. 100% because, I agree. And because like it's, one... got, it's got that, that two-pronged attack of like campaign plus multiplayer. Yes. And yeah. the thing, mm -hmm. I, I just want to mention that our feedback here, uh, unless any of you guys are going to surprise me and say you played it on PlayStation, um, this is PC VR uh, responses, you know, to how the game looks because yeah. it has a substantial downgrade on PSVR from what I can tell. But I'm really curious if that runs really well at frame rate to for, give an example no man's sky maybe one of the closest comparisons right um ran like so smoothly but the the graphics really were so underwhelming uh, on psvr that it was it was it was hard to step that way i've heard that in comparison 
it is more detailed graphically on PSVR well, than um, we, than than No Man's Sky was we, at launch. We we should realize that even that there is VR support right now doesn't mean that it's on their watch as priority. You know, it's still an extra for them, but it's there and it works, and you can feel like you're sitting in the cockpit and the controls, if you can map them right are yeah. fine so yeah. again like this is a blessing especially in 2020 and also EA, we're talking about ea because ea what they did before was making this one x-wing mission of like two minutes and that was it <laughs> so i mean this is this is really well, decent so paradise decay is saying that he said the the blur on psvr today compared to the game on medium settings on pc but i've got a feeling that it's probably a little bit worse than that but at least the one thing you can guarantee yeah, with psvr is that it's going to have a, a decent frame rate you know consistently well, uh because they've got a certain barrier that they demand a game performs at before they <laughs> allow just, the store. Can I just say that the also, uh, because you play as, uh, you know, the, the Resistance, the New Republic, or as the Empire, and the missions in that sense are also different vibe-wise, because I felt like yeah. if I was flying a TIE fighter, the missions were more aggressive, yes. were a lot faster. Well, with the Rebe- Rebels, it was more about tactics, about communicating with your team, less aggression, you know, really like they would usually operate too. So I think in the missions, it also reflects that. So if you really like the dark side, then you're also going to feel that. And if you like the light side, then you also get like that. that. So I, I think they nailed the story mode. In that the characteristics sense. that you're describing there, Nathan, is exactly what I've felt uh, in starting to play out the story. Now, I'm only a couple of missions in, mm. but the fact that they interleave the two halves together, yeah, yeah. So it's smart. really smart. And it just, I, I'm like, I really want to know more. I want to go to the next chapter. It feels like I'm reading a book, you know, but like you said, it gives you, it's the first Star Wars game, I think, that makes me feel like I'm I'm in the cockpit, like in the seat of the movie. Just Just to clarify, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, so it's it's good to know that um, I've also seen the reviews and yeah, people are right, you know, it's not very well optimized. It's in some ways also not so consumer friendly in terms of controls. Um, but uh, most of the reviews that are good or bad are people who are not playing this game in VR, have never tried VR before. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in mind because the thing is, we as this small little VR bubble are like, wow, we in the first place are already happy this has VR support. So our bar starts somewhere else where others are like straight up EA fans. There's like, like, oh, I played Star Wars Battlefront 1 and 2 and I played this and that and this game, yeah, yeah it's maybe not so, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a different feel, kind of, you know. It's going to feel uh, claustrophobic for them because like playing on, I was playing it on flat just to get my settings all sorted and everything. But like it, being in that cockpit, especially some of the um, Imperial ships feels quite restrictive in terms that's of true. what you can see. Yeah, like, no, that's right. uh, in VR, having that kind of volumetric feeling of your cockpit, even in the different ships, some of which have almost like a slit of a window, like very limited mm. view distance compared to other um, fighter dogfighting games that I, I would play, feels comfortable in VR, like feels good. The only thing that I would say is the thing that feels uncomfortable and sometimes I have to like shimmy myself up in my seat is on some of the ships there's like a, a console in front of you that stands up quite far yeah, yeah. and so like if you're if you're chasing a target and it drops below you you have to kind of like to get your crosshairs <laughs> on them you know or lead the target yeah. you're kind of like shimming around in your in your seat but generally it's very comfortable yeah. and i like to get the only play with the reset I would say, by the way so if you, you would, like move up a little bit or down and you press the reset button then you can really locks uh, like, in place yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. 
What you going to say, Rowdy? The one thing that I would say is that I definitely need a processor for yes, this game. Yes, you do. Because I'm, dying to, I'm <laughs> yeah. dying to play this one. I oh, really am. Just follow the link. Go fund me. Rowdy needs a PC. <laughs> <laughs> in the description down below. Oh, um, wow. But to clarify, Paradise Decay said that no, the blur is worse than medium on PC. Uh, so just yeah. clarification on PSVR. And also just to let you know, the campaign from what we've heard so far is roughly about 10 hours long. So you've got a really solid oh, single player <laughs> campaign. And then you've obviously got the multiplayer, which we're going to test out. Um, uh, tomorrow. Also, uh, next to the multiplayer, you also have co-op missions. They're also a little bit like the story that you can play with a friend. Awesome. Definitely yeah. looking forward to checking those out. So yeah, I think overall, Star Wars yeah. Squadrons, we're very happy about it. Hopefully it'll be improved <sighs> and iron out some of the problems. But you know, if you can push through the problems and get it to run, you're going to have an amazing time, I think, is our conclusion okay. on that one. 2020 um, is still getting a little bit more awesome. Definitely, 100% agree. Um, also, uh, while we're on the subject of flight sims, very quickly, I should mention that Microsoft Flight Simulator are looking for people to participate in their beta uh, to test for the VR update that's coming to the game soon. Uh, there's a few requirements. You must own the game. You must have a VR headset. You must be a registered insider. You must submit your you know, um, computer settings and adhere to NDA, of course. Uh, if Rowdy, you're interested... Rowdy fills it in. like, I have no processor. Can I play it? <laughs> uh, if you're interested in becoming a beta tester for Microsoft Flight Simulator, I've added a link in the description down below so you can go check it out. But I just thought I'd mention that because I know a lot of you out there are going to be interested yeah. in doing that. What? So, Mike, uh, would they accept me if I email them like I have an Intel Core potato and I have a 3D hat as a headset? Sure, you go for it. You should try it and just see what they say back. Um, I, was, I just wonder, like, we're just talking about performance in this game. Like, oh, that, even, is a, that is a game that I think is going to run 15 frames a second for yeah. most people. It's going <laughs> to be insane. Right. So, so prepare yeah. yourselves for that. Oh, um, the final thing I want to touch on, and we're running out of time a little bit, so I'll only touch on it very quickly, is that um, last week I talked about testing virtual desktop on Quest 2 and that, you know, I bought a Wi-Fi 6 router. I was able to get some really nice speeds of up to 1,200 megabits per second using that setup, although I did... Uh, stipulate that you don't need a fi uh, Wi-Fi 6 router for it to work. 5 gigahertz will still work plenty for the time being as you can't really benefit from that extra headroom right now, although possible in the future. Um, but since then, Guy or Guy Godin, uh, I keep on getting his name wrong, uh, he's provided uh, an additional build of uh, virtual desktop and um, Tyrael Wood and I have been testing it out and it's been running at 90 hertz wirelessly uh, running PC VR content to the Quest 2. And that's actually how I initially was playing Squadrons until I just bumped it down a bit to 80 hertz. And you can do that within the virtual desktop menu settings oh. um, just to get a bit of extra performance headroom. So, so, so that segment it's, has changed, actually. So, so what you're saying is that if you have lower specs, you have less money, then you can still make use out of this and just kind of yeah, turn you can, it down you, a you, notch. You, yeah, you've because really got control. Is still like really great. Uh, yeah, you've got complete control over. You know, you can run it at sixty, I think, even or seventy-two, eighty, or ninety. Nice. Um, and in terms of latency, a lot of people were asking me about latency. I was getting between twenty-two and thirty milliseconds of latency, which is very reasonable. Hmm. Uh, and for me, when I was playtesting it using Half-Life Alex as my sort of test bed game, I was getting so drawn into the game again because not only was it being played wirelessly on Quest Two, though there was a bump in resolution, which was taken advantage of Quest 2's higher uh, resolution display. It was running at 90 hertz as well. And just the experience felt so great that I was just getting so drawn into the world again. And it's been a while since I played through the Half-Life Alex campaign. So I was just getting so sucked into it again. It's, it's just it's just crazy that an independent developer can 
come up with a solution that is better than a cable solution coming from the manufacturer themselves. <laughs> well, <right>? well, this, <laughs> this is the problem, you see, because like Tyriel and I have been testing it. So like the update was pretty much ready to go for when people get their headsets on the 13th. But then uh, Guy um, posted on Twitter this week saying, uh, PSA just got word from Oculus that 90 frames per second will be disabled in apps on Quest 2 at launch, but will get re-enabled uh, in a future OS update. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, and you're right, because the thing is, I said in my 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 video about it that, that virtual desktop running at 90 hertz and also with the updated resolution wirelessly works better than Link, the official Link cable, because it's still restricted to 72 hertz, still running the old resolution of the original Quest. Um, so the experience actually was better, wireless. Um, and we don't think that Oculus Link is going to come out of beta when... Quest uh, 2 launches to um, consumers. So it looks like, from my perspective anyway, that Oculus are putting the brakes on virtual desktop and saying, hey, <laughs> we don't want a better solution than our official solution working straight out the gates. So let's kind of like postpone them a little bit. So it's we're kind of on an even playing field, which to me is a bit of a sneaky thing to do, in well, my well, opinion. Well, well, do, because that, that would mean like, when is Oculus then ready to do it themselves? Well, this when is the are point. they ready? Do they want like, to be ready right now? The thing I don't is, think so. they should have been ready. They should have been ready for release with Oculus Link coming out of beta, working at 90 hertz, because it, this is the solution for Rift S replacement going forward as well. So they should like, have had that coming out of like, the box. Yeah, but this is this is classic Oculus. They go in denial. They did it, did the same with. Uh, I remember all games being teleportation, and it took them like a year to kind of get to smooth locomotion. So yeah. they they're always kind of like behind. And then when someone proves that it can be better and different, mm. then they don't want to do but it. There must away. be a good it, it, sounds, it sounds like they're working on their own solution. Of course they are. Of course they are. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Desktop, <laughs> and of course then they, they will lock it uh, yeah. for only having 90 hertz for that one or something but like that. It's funny it's, because it's um, head of head of content at Oculus, uh, Chris Brewitt, um, he replied to a tweet from Ian Hamilton from Upload VR asking about his thoughts on this kind of like, you know, uh, the fact that virtual desktop has kind of been, you know, push back a little bit or put the brakes on a little bit, even though it's working already the, now. The, the, the wire of the Wi-Fi's. Well, and this is this is what Chris said. He said, replied in a tweet, I don't think any wireless streaming solution for VR is viable yet, given the health and safety bar we hold apps to in terms of frame rate, latency and re reliability, especially given the high variability of home Wi-Fi setups. And to be honest, I think that is complete and utter BS. Because yeah, if you think about it, is, but he knows that he knows of course he that. does. He must know that. So why does he post something like that? The, the the funny thing is, from a health and safety perspective, they're saying that latency is is bad from health and safety perspective. Personally, I think tripping over a wire wrapped around your feet is way more dangerous <laughs> from a health and safety perspective than a little bit of latency that might make you feel sick if you're not used to it. But but running at twenty two to thirty milliseconds of latency, perfectly comfortable experience in my experience. But it's interesting because no. Carmack then chimed in on this and he says, for the lack of interest in arguing, I kick the stone, which basically means he refutes Chris's comment and says, you know, <laughs> he's talking nonsense. And because we know this from behind the scenes from Chris, Car yeah. uh, from John Carmack's talk, that they have this like big internal debate about wireless streaming of VR content to the Quest headset. But I just think it's crazy that this the, works the proof, now using virtual desktop. The proof is there, but Carmack is, of course, a part of, 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 of you know, the company uh, in, yeah. in, in a small way. He can't make that, you know, decision. Um, but why would he why would he post this? Is it because they just want to, as, as, as we said, like bring it out themselves? I don't know if they want to do it 
even soon. I feel like they're fine with this whole fiber cable thing. They're fine with it. Uh, We're talking long term, but you know, I think they'll probably release a router that's pre-configured or something like that. I don't know what they'll do, but you but know, it's, to be honest- it's, it's stupid. Like they're gonna like keep the 90 hertz away from us. Well, there are some people who just want to use it, maybe experimental yeah. in their sense. Yeah. At least give us the tools that's, to use it, right? That's, that's exactly what give I'm thinking, Mathy. So yeah. look, I, I, I wouldn't call the response that we got BS, as Mike is saying it. I think it is a fronting uh, reaction. But the variability of home Wi-Fi setups is going to be a definitive problem if they roll this out in a broad way. But what Nathy said is the word that I think absolutely should be the answer here. Oculus should have this, like they do with their Bluetooth solution, which also doesn't work very well, as an experimental feature. Let technical know-how people play with this, try it out, uh, and people like the, Guy are going to just try the back of his comment that made sense because the first part that he said that there there is no uh, you know viable solution for wireless streaming. Yeah, it's, it's rubbish. I'm sorry, but that there is a viable solution already since there has been virtual desktop on the Oculus Quest. And, and, I mean, what I don't understand is this is an experimental feature because you have to sideload it. You have to sideload the mm. second half of virtual desktop for it to work. So it is experimental, they're, 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 and it is, it's going, not going to be for everyone. Yeah, but they're going into this consumer protection mode. Uh, yeah, yes. and, and th- that's the thing. Like they want to keep uh, wireless streaming away from consumers right now for for uh, a certain amount of reasons. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a maybe, shame. And then and then and then in a few years they come out with the same like uh, yeah. made, and it's like, oh look, look, oh we always believed in this. Well, he already made it years ago. I mean, I can already see that happen. It's gonna uh, happen. It's but gonna I think happen. what what they don't realize is that this is a major selling point of the Quest Two headset. Huge it's selling a major point. Selling it's point. like huge, it's like huge. it's like the Steam Link of VR basically yeah. for gamers. Yeah. You can yeah. just. You, you don't have to drag your PC with you no. downstairs to play. You just boot up your PC, you sit in bed, and play like an awesome, I don't know, whatever game you want to play. And I think, yeah. you, you know, rewinding Anything. a couple of years ago, you know, we were buying like TP links for our original Rift uh, CV1s. We were buying wireless adapters for the Vive Pro and the Vive, and they were costing like three, four hundred pounds each. This is a three hundred pound headset that does it out the box and with a twenty dollar app, twenty pound app. And yeah. I think that is amazing. And hats off to Guy Godin as well for yeah. his for I'm his so work. happy that we. Yeah. I'm so happy that we only briefly touched on this. Yeah, it was, sorry. It was only a 12-minute feature. Yeah, you, you just got me super riled because I think it's an amazing feature and I think, you know, Oculus yeah, should be doing what they, sure. ca- what they can to help this guy not stand in his way. Uh, but anyway, that is Virtual Desktop running right now in 90 hertz, uh, streaming PC VR content to Quest 2. Won't be available on release, but hopefully in the future. Wait, wait, wait. Right. wait let's breathe for a sec. Fia, any remarks just before we steamroll to the next piece? Uh, I mean, I'm excited for it. I obviously I have not touched the Quest yet. Um, Quest is gonna be my first experience with that, so I'm mostly just excited to um, try it out. So I'm sorry I haven't been able to contribute as much to the conversation no. there. That, that's absolutely fine. And to be honest, we're moving into like your domain now, anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> talk about baby. VTubing, and this is, this is where Fear is gonna shine. Um, mm-hmm. Because you know the reason why we invited Fear on the show is is that you know uh, VTubing is becoming more and more mainstream. It's becoming more popular. Uh, we're seeing it more on uh, on videos. We're seeing it more on Twitch streams. You know, if you're familiar with uh, Pokimane, for example, she's a huge mm-hmm. Twitch streamer who has recently transitioned over to using an avatar and, and VTubing instead of uh, having a face cam. 
Um, so I, I thought it was a really interesting thing. And when I when I was doing research on VTubing, just from a personal interest perspective, I came across Fear's channel. And um, you should totally go and check it out, by the way. We've added a link in the description below. And basically what, what Fear's done is, is taking the concept of like educating people about virtual reality, but doing it in virtual reality as an avatar. And I think is a super smart move. And I think also you do a really good job of explaining things on a on a very simple level for people to understand, um, particularly newcomers who are you know trying to get into VR for the first time. So I think you do do a great job there. And I think maybe what we should start with is like uh, explaining what VTubing is for maybe people that aren't watching us live <laughs> and can see your awesome avatar and your awesome background, mm -hmm. and maybe for the audio listeners listeners so they can maybe understand a bit more about what VTubing actually actually is. Yeah, so uh, VTubing basically is a short form for virtual YouTuber, um, VTuber. And what that involves is somebody who uses a virtual avatar to represent themselves um, online. So VTuber is kind of a blanket term, and it can refer to somebody who does Twitch streaming as a virtual avatar or, um, you know, other kinds of content as well. Um, but obviously for me, I mostly do YouTube content. That's kind of the main thing I do. Um, but there, there is kind of a, a kind of a divide between what makes a VTuber versus other kinds of content because people often get confused if you are a VR streamer and let's say you're playing in VR chat. Um, just using an avatar doesn't necessarily mean you are a VTuber because you need to have your own kind of like persona, like it's somebody that um, represents you and yourself. So that's kind of right. kind of the short version of what VTubing is. Right. And I think that's a good summary there. I think it's a good explanation of, of what it is. And and f maybe you can talk about like how you got into that world and what sort of attracted you to it before and, and also creating uh, content around this uh, on, on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. So basically the, the way that it started out for me is a lot different than it started out for a lot of other VTubers out there. And for me, it's I discovered um, the program that I used to create my model. It's called Vroid Studio. And it's a free program that anybody can download. So anybody listening, if you want to, you know, dip your toes in the water, you can download this program and create your own avatar from scratch. It gives you like a preset anime style avatar. You can, you know, customize it all the way you want. Um, and so that's how I started off was making this avatar. And then I was like, okay, I have this avatar. What can I do with it? Um, and that's kind of when I discovered VR chat and I figured out that you could upload your avatars um, to that. And I was like, oh, you know, there's cool things that I can do with this. This is awesome. Um, and so I got sucked into that and that kind of introduced me to the whole world of VR. And that was about a year ago. So I've only, I've only been into VR for about a year. I'm still a bit of a baby in that sense. Um, and then I got my Oculus Rift S for Christmas and I was hooked, you know, immediately I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. This changed my life. Like everything, like the world is just different now, you know, mm -hmm. seeing color wizard of Oz style. Um, and so <laughs> I, um, in February, I decided like, look, I am obsessed with VR. I'm obsessed with having my avatar. There's so many things that I love about this. And it's so interesting, um, was really bending my brain with a lot of, you know, questions about identity and perception of just reality in general. Um, and that's when I decided, you know what, I want to make a YouTube channel and, and talk about this. Cause that's what I care about. This is a thing that makes me really excited. And so that's kind of what um, started me off was, you know, I, I want to show people why this is important to me. I want to show them why they should be excited about this and why it's important. And that's, uh, you know, I made my first video and my channel in a single day is the same idea that I came up with it. And uh, I've been doing it literally every single day since. Um, mm -hmm. And then a couple of weeks later, that's when I got into um, Twitch streaming as well. And I used my avatar to do that. And uh, 
I kind of joined the community like that after after kind of figuring out what it was on my own. Mm -hmm. and, and prior to um, like doing this kind of content with your avatar, did you ever experiment with making like a YouTube channel uh, with a traditional face cam or streaming with a traditional face cam prior to this? Or was this your first sort of foray into those uh, those those platforms? Yeah, so I had attempted it a couple of times. I made like a funny YouTube video with my friends at one point. Um, I had done a face cam stream or two, uh, you know, just for fun and stuff, just kind of seeing what it's all about. But this is the first time mm -hmm. I've actually stayed dedicated and made more than like a single or, you know, a couple pieces of content. Um, but yeah, I, I highly yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, it's, and it's great as well. Like like I said, especially for those, you know, that are interested in, in VR and, and the kind of like stuff behind the scenes and you, you delve into some really interesting and unique topics as well that aren't touched on normally so i think that's something definitely unique to your channel and maybe you can explain some of the tech behind the scenes because i think that's a really interesting part to discuss as well like you know are you using a, like a vr headset right now or are you using like some sort of like head tracker or how, how does the tech work uh in terms of what you're doing now yeah, so as of right now, what I'm doing is I am not in VR, and the most mostly the reason for that is just because um, I think the the Zoom meeting call with so many people would probably be extremely laggy trying to <laughs> trying to load that into the program that I usually use. Um, but but what I'm using right now is a program. It's called Luppet. Um, I'm using the paid version of it, and it, it tracks my face, tracks all my facial movements. Every time I blink, that is me actually <laughs> blinking. Um, I have hot keys for all my facial expressions. Um, so anytime I want to make a face, you know, get surprised, you know, <laughs> I can do as much as I want. Um, and then I have a leap motion uh, strapped to my chest, and that's how I can get, like, my hand up and move it around oh, um, cool. and do stuff like that. Um, and so that's kind of the process, and this is what I usually use for um, Twitch streaming. So when I'm doing things like uh, playing Jackbox, right, I, I have mm -hmm. this avatar. But in the actual uh, VR content that I make, I have a program called Virtual Cast, and I get to load in my avatar, and it's a Japanese program, so a lot of a, long, a lot of English-speaking people do not know about it. Um, and so I load in my avatar, and then I can control, you know, the facial expressions with you know one index controller, and I can do all of my hands and stuff with the other. Um, and it, it's kind of what I compare it to a lot is puppeteering. Is I basically have my avatar is kind of a puppet that I have to control, and I have to time everything just right, you know. Because not only are you presenting information and speaking, but you're also having to control, you know, facial expressions and movements and time it all correctly. And I think, uh, I think people don't really realize uh, what kind of goes into that a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, so, so I want to said... ask a Twitch-related question as mm -hmm. the resident Twitch streamer here. Sure. So uh, this is what I this is the one I was holding before we opened the podcast. So. Um, often when you're a Twitch streamer and you're doing, I don't know, six, eight hour streams or something like that, and you gotta, you gotta walk away and come back again, or, you know, you gotta take a drink or whatever it is, just something, because these things happen <laughs> to be long. Like, is there like an AFK mode in these, uh, VTuber avatars? Like, is there a, a method of looking kind of natural and not just looking like, you know, you've dropped through the floor or something like that when you're in VR? Can you explain how that works? Yeah, so basically what I personally do is I kind of just drop dead and I just kind of leave my avatar behind. I don't know if everybody <laughs> does that, um, <laughs> uh, but that's kind of my process. Um, if, you know, if I were to be a little more thoughtful about it, I would probably just click the uh, scene off on OBS and just be like, bye bye Fia, you know, just kind of leave the background behind me and not show anything. Mm -hmm. But 
I, I usually, you know, I, I try not to leave for too long at a time. So if I have to step out, I just kind of leave Ruby and, you know, she just kind of slumps over and dead inside. But that's how it, <laughs> that's how it just has to be. So, so you mentioned, uh, you know, that it's a Japanese program. In Japan, like VTubers are huge. Mm-hmm. It's like a crazy big market. Now, now in the States, it, it seems to also grow. What would you say are the biggest differences right now between uh, how it's growing in the States and what's already there in Japan? Because some people have it as a full-time job to be a VTuber. And it's not only being then in VR or using a program that tracks your face with a webcam, but it's also them being on Instagram, being on Facebook, on all these platforms. And they just have, uh, well, a version of themselves that they can just kind of render out for all Mm -hmm. kinds of products and things. Well, they're not even physically there anymore. Mm -mm. Yeah, so that's a really interesting question because obviously VTubing is something that started out in Japan, right? And that's kind of where it blew up. And specifically, the thing that really blew it up was um, this thing called Hololive. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, so I'm just going to quickly explain it. Is It's basically a VTuber idol agency. So, you, you know, just like any other agency, they recruit talent. So they find people who they think would make good VTubers and they create them avatars. And then those avatars go and make content, you know, playing Minecraft or talking to each other, being cute, you know, moe moe, kawaii desune, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's kind of gathered this cult following where people are just obsessed with it. They love it because, you know, there's so many of us who absolutely, you know, we love anime. And what is better than having, you know, sentient anime girls where they actually interact with you and they actually respond to you and they feel like real people. And that's a very big attraction for, um, you know, obviously the Japanese community, because, you know, that's where anime comes from. Um, so the way it kind of spread to the U.S. is that um, people got really obsessed with that and um, kind of picked it up. And it became a niche for a while. But um, now that Hololive just opened up like their English speaking talent, um, it's still very Japanese. Like it feels a lot like the same Hololive in Japan. But um, people are kind of, you know, diving into that for the first time, which is, you know, great. Yeah. And how do you how do you deal with like a little bit of like, you know, like the creepy side of it? Because <laughs> uh, especially because, you know, like in Japan, there's a huge male culture as well that is very invested in this, like, you know, young girls in, in, in VTubing or like just young girls kind of avatars. And we occasionally see these kind of games also pop up on the virtual reality store where, yeah. you know, you, you see this kind of mm-hmm. female avatar that you go like, hmm, I, I don't know if I should be you know, clicking on this or not. And you see in, 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 in VR chat as well, as soon as someone has like a female avatar, like all kinds of creepy stuff mm-hmm. goes on around there as well. How, how do you personally deal with, with that being like, you know, being an anime character yourself? Yeah, so a lot of people do kind of waifu me. They're like, oh, Fia's my best waifu, you know, like saying <laughs> stuff like that. And, you know, it's obviously a compliment. Like, I love that, you know, they appreciate me. They appreciate my avatar. That's fantastic. But, yeah, sometimes it does kind of go too far. I'd say kind of the, the worst comments that I get actually are more so about my um my real-life appearance. Because um, I'm, you know, kind of an exception. A lot of VTubers stay, like, fully VTuber, and that's kind of their thing. But kind of my, like thing that I do is that I'm both like real and virtual. My avatar is completely based off of my real life appearance. Um, and so a lot of people, they'll go to like my Instagram and stuff. And I've had comments made where it's like, come on, girl, why didn't you use your real face? Like, <laughs> you're so much more beautiful than your avatar. And it's like, come on, like, <laughs> you know, I like using my avatar. This is a thing that I want to do. And um, those are probably where the worst comments come from is when people try to get away from mm. the VTuber aspect and kind of go for your actual, mm-hmm. you know, real life body. Well, well, yeah, just, you also wait, have, wait, so you're, 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 you're super. Uh, go ahead. 
you're, you're saying that some people use a virtual avatar as some escape if they're mm -hmm. not happy with themselves uh, from maybe the outside or from the inside. So they just become something else that they aren't. That's mm -hmm. what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Is that something There's you see a lot, a lot or like, well, because like the people who do this, you know, that become a VTuber, is that a certain group of people or do you see a lot, lot of different kind of like, what, what is your, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different reasons people do VTubing. Um, you know, for a lot of people, it's an escape. Like you said, it's a, uh, you know, I don't like the way I look and I want to, but I want to stream anyways. So I'm going to make a virtual avatar and then I don't have to worry about it, which is, you know, very good reasoning. Um, there's other people, if they struggle with identity in any way, like let's say they um, don't feel comfortable with their get, like born gender, well, they can, you know, have an avatar that really represents themselves and how they feel. And so that's another reason. Um, and then there's other people who just do it, you know, purely because it's fun. Um, and I know a guy, his name is Foxy Joel. He's one of my favorite VTubers out there. And he uses, he well, he draws, he draws monster girls. And that's what he really loves to do. So his avatar is a monster girl. And he uses his avatar while he draws monster girls. And it's, you know. Wait, wait, what, 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 what's a monster girl? Because I'm just imagining <laughs> a very beefy lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of the concept of that is imagine, you know, if you have a girl, but she's inspired by like a spider or she's inspired by the Loch Ness uh. monster, you know, like. Cute, cute girls taking scary things and then making it into cute girls is what he does. Got it, got it. So we know this other, uh, he used to be a VR, <laughs> a VR YouTuber as well, but then he turned also fully to VTubing and he took that very, mm. very far. It's, it's AI Angel, right? Do you remember what, oh, his, yeah. what his original YouTuber name is? Oh, yeah, Rogue Angel. Shadow. So, uh, Rogue Shadow, yeah. Rogue Shadow, Rogue Shadow, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he used to do VR content and then he went all the way with the, with the, um, with the VTubing and, and doing the AI mm -hmm. angel channel, which is doing very well oh, as yeah. well. Um, and how does that compare? Because like, like your avatar is more sort of like cartoony looking mm -hmm. like avatar. Uh, how does that compare? Because his is a bit more, uh, I would say, it looks more like a 3D model. Like, is there significant differences in the way like you, you would set that up? Uh, yeah, definitely the way that you would set that up. Um, well, what that really comes down to is production quality. So for me, I basically have utilized all like free resources. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of why I like to share what I do with people. I don't feel uncomfortable telling everybody. Um, but mm -hmm. obviously for someone like AI Angel, right, you're using a lot of intellectual property in that sense. And a lot of what's going on behind the scenes is different things going on with like motion capture, um, and facial tracking and then programs that are kind of scraped together and aren't necessarily something that somebody could just download or buy. It's, you know, mm. utilizing different resources um, is yeah. kind of what goes on there. I think as well, like the way I see it as well, like um, there's some benefits of having an avatar, you know, like if I had an avatar, that I used for like my YouTube videos, for example, like I wouldn't have to like get dressed in the morning, <laughs> wouldn't have to brush my teeth anymore. I could basically just, the practical I, sight. I could just go to McDonald's every day. I wouldn't have to worry about my figure anymore. I could just do whatever I want and I would have that. Uh, but I, I think also like you've also got like a degree of anonymity. And I know like for, for you example, you, you show, you've shown your face on your channel mm -hmm. anyway. Um, and you, you know, that isn't necessarily a problem, but I guess that that is um, some of the attraction of this is that you're anonymous to a certain degree. You know, you can share your opinions online. You can do things even maybe that would be a bit more risque for maybe someone that would 
expose their face mm-hmm. for example and then you know say if it all goes wrong and and burns and and you get a huge backlash it would be just like well i could delete that avatar i could create another one the next day i could have a new channel that, and, and re- rinse and repeat do you know what i mean do you sort of see that in that world or is is it something you don't think is necessarily too much of a problem yeah i mean people definitely use it to um hide their identity you know if if you know obviously like ai angel is a good example like road shadow decided to kind of switch to that and um kind of kind of keeps himself under you know in the shadows now and doesn't you know necessarily like putting his face out there which is you know totally you know totally understandable um and i think that you know that is the case for a lot of people i know a lot of people you know obviously like pokimane right these are you know popular twitch streamers popular youtubers who are switching Mm. to vtubing because of that appeal you know i'm in my pajamas right now like you wouldn't know that like (laughs) and that's what we get to do i don't have to put on makeup i don't have to worry about you know my hair looking you know however and i you know i love that and i think a lot of people are really drawn to that yeah i think i think it does take away a little bit of the magic if like we're talking about rogue shadow we we know that he did a podcast before we also Mm -hmm. know it's a he and that he's pretending to be, uh, you know, a girl on the internet. So when you then watch those videos, you're like, yeah, but wait, I thought he was like, it feels like his real self doesn't necessarily match with mm-hmm. who he is on, you know what I mean? So it's kind of, but if you don't know all of that stuff, then you're like, okay, cool. cool. But I think, <laughs> you know, like what, what, what sure. Fia touched on earlier is if you're maybe confused about your gender identity, yeah, true, then true. You, you can, um, without, you know, having to go down the line of having an expensive operation or procedure mm-hmm. or life-changing procedure that you can, you can, you know, personify an avatar that represents yeah, yeah. how you feel inside mm-hmm. basically which is a, yeah. an easier way of doing it i think and and also experimenting with your you know your identity as a person as well you know yeah. mm-hmm. that because that that's definitely something a little bit more gradual than you know taking a, a straight jump i think that's the great thing about the digitization of we, we all become to some extent digitized but uh, that's actually where i i wonder with the vtubing side because you're to some extent then relying on the software you use because you mm-hmm. You put so much time into it. You create this avatar. You have a look. I mean, I could imagine that even changing the color of your eyes or, you know, what you're wearing or the length of your hair in terms of your VTuber uh, visage is quite a material change, not just Mm -hmm. to you, but your audience. And if that software stack falls down, like you can't just easily port that somewhere else. And I just wonder if, you know, five years from now, you know, do you see yourself, would you be looking the same or... Is it possible that at some stage that software stack lets you down and you have to kind of reinvent even if you don't want to? Yeah, no, I'm definitely, that's something that I think about a lot because the software that like I'm using now is a lot different than what was necessarily out there a year ago when I first started. And that's because this whole like, you know, VTubing thing is really taking off. There's more people wanting to develop for it. Um, And, you know, as more and more people use it, well, more money is starting to kind of pour into these, you know, into these programs and that, you know, money equals innovation. So um hopefully hopefully i won't be using the same avatar in five years that's actually kind of (laughs) like would be a good thing to me as i really hope that um things get more advanced and i can actually upgrade so i'm not too scared but you know i do think things are going to be lost along the way but it'll just be you know you lose something you gain something exactly and in terms of like tech you know obviously you've explained some of the the tech that you use uh behind the scenes like what what tech you think is on the verge of releasing in the near future that may assist you um, doing what you do? You know, like, you know, HP recently announced the HP Reverb G2 mm-hmm. Omnicept Edition, which has like a, a mouth tracker and it's got 
eye trackers in there as well. Is that something you'd be interested in like investing in in the future to make your job a little bit easier? Oh, definitely. As soon as I heard about the Omnicept uh, G2, I was like, freaking out. I was like, this is amazing. This is exactly <laughs> what I wanted. And I was actually like, I'm even in the process of making a video where we were talking about um, like VR setup goals. I was making this one with virtual dreamers, um, Gregory. And one of the things that we were talking about was how we want to have facial tracking and especially for, you know, avatars having, you know, your eye movement tracked other than just, you know, having to pay for in a very expensive Vive um, and then having, you know, like all those little details on your face that, you know, the subconscious communication is so important in how we interact with each other. And it gives me a lot of hope to finally see that, um, you know, showing up. So hopefully uh, it doesn't take too long to get um, that kind of stuff up and running for people like me. Yeah. Um, and I think. I was going to just say, like, with the Omnicept edition, you know, of the Reverb G2, um, you know, it, it is available to consumers, you know, although it is a very business focused headset, you know, uh, for like, you know, advertisers to test, you know, eye tracking data, like what colors appeal to where, you mm -hmm. know, the users more than others so they can like, you know, make things more optimized for like ads and, and, and products and stuff like that. But I think for people like you that that love this kind of like VR chat kind of like avatars and having that functionality in the headset is definitely going to make your life a lot easier, I think, in mm -hmm. the future. Yeah. And the question I had was about the Leap Motion because of, of your, your, your kind of tech stack, it seems to be the oldest piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. like you said you use it like chest mounted for your fingers. Um, and I think we didn't get to see that that well demonstrated if you're if you're able to show us in a little bit higher Lift than higher. the third because we <laughs> cut off, unfortunately. So uh, thank yeah. you. Um, but like, is that is that something? I, I mean, I don't know of any hardware out there that replaces that. Is there an upgrade path for that at this time, or anything coming in the pipeline? Uh, the closest that you know? thing that I'm kind of excited about would be, um, you know, the like EMG type of stuff where uh, you put it on your wrist and then you can kind of track like what's going on um, with your fingers. Or mm. um, the other thing that I was thinking of is, you know, with um, the Oculus Quest 2, right? We saw the infinite office where you're moving things around with your fingers there. Yeah, um, I'd like yeah. to see that kind of like transport over to the VR programs that I'm using as well. That's that's what I was thinking. Like, I mean, this, the, uh, and you maybe you haven't uh, had the opportunity to try it, but the hand tracking in Quest and Quest 2 is, is really fantastic at this point. The only thing, the only problem I have with that actually is that uh, if you're using controllers a lot, now it seems to be a little bit like a, a jumpy dog. Uh, if you have hand tracking enabled, it'll like want to enable the hand tracking. Mm -hmm. You put down your controllers for half a second mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're doing things that maybe you didn't mean to be with your uh, pinches and pokes mm -hmm. in, in there. But I, I, and that's what I was kind of probing at was I don't know if there's any software bridge at the moment between that kind of an experimental but publicly released, you know, hand tracking mechanism, which seems to me to be have much wider tracking than the limited um, range that the Leap Motion has, mm -hmm. um, and let's say like VR chat or something like that, which would allow your imported avatar to then have maybe a more fluid or wider span of motion of, for your arms, because that would be neat. Yeah, it would uh, be really neat. I guess we're both uh, just hoping that that comes out at some point. So, <laughs> definitely, so definitely. Are, I mean, in, I'm, in I'm, like, in I'm like, actually, I know in healthcare, there sorry. are several like methods for like, you know, uh, that you can wear on your wrist, like just measuring muscular activity and you can get fairly accurate training on that as well. Mm -hmm. I think that applications like that should exist. I just don't know if they're like available for like a consumer kind of version, but mm -hmm. I'm sure certainly there are companies working on like mm -hmm. these kind of, you know, wrist uh, trackers that can probably get some kind of uh, uh, finger motion as well. Mm -hmm. So I am wondering one thing and that is, so when, for example, uh, we, 
you know, get the Oculus Quest 2, we make a video uh, where we physically unbox it, we show it off. You do the same because you also show yourself, um, your, your real self. Um, but uh, how does that work for, let's say, people who are completely VTuber and some companies is like, listen, here's a product, check it out. Like, are you then making a 3D version of it? Or how have you seen VTubers <laughs> you convert like different products into a virtual <laughs> space? I'm really curious, I'm really curious. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I really think that comes down to having 3D models of things. And unfortunately, unless you are a very talented 3D modeler, you're <laughs> not going to be making, you know, a model for every single product that you, you know, consume and buy that you'd like to make a video about. Um, yeah. I haven't really seen too many other people make kind of like actual VR content the way that I'm doing. So I can't necessarily mm -hmm. say that I've seen other people try and like um, cope around that. Most other VTubers kind of stick to the, you know, playing Minecraft or playing VR chat kind of kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I wish that I could say like, oh, you know, my friend, you know, so-and-so is doing this, but um, oh, unfortunately yeah, yeah. not at this it would, point. You would think that because everything is virtual, you can take marketing to the next level. You know, where mm -hmm. you try to kind of real mm -hmm. life, then you try it in, in a virtual space and you can take it to the moon. Well, usually you wouldn't be able to. But, mm -hmm. but you, you currently have those like kind of 3D modeling, you know, photographs that you have on your iPhone and stuff like that, that would allow you to create a model. Uh, like even if it's not that good of quality, mm -hmm. but it, it would still allow you to make like a 3D model and bring that into a virtual environment mm -hmm. using any kind of 3D. And technology. I remember, um, you know, go, looking, looping back to uh, AI Angel, you know, she had a video on her channel where she was showing um, a Cybertruck, you know, Tesla Cybertruck. And she was like playing around with it, hitting it with a sledgehammer and stuff. And that, you know, that's a, 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 a form of that, you know, product placement, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm sure we're going to see more of that in the future. But where, where do you sort of see this ultimately going for your sort of, you know, have you experimented with haptics before, you know, like, and what sort of technology are you most excited about that's going to help you uh, moving forward? Uh, yeah, so unfortunately, I have not touched haptics, mostly just because of financial, like, that's something I'd like to invest in at some point. Um, but definitely, it's I like think my processor. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We're waiting. We're just waiting. <laughs> um, but the thing that I'm really excited about is kind of waiting for, for motion capture suits to kind of cross over to having mm -hmm. VR compatibility. Because I would nice. absolutely love having a VR suit, you know, like you see in like Ready Player One, um, using something like that inside of VR chat and actually having my entire body tracked. Like, oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then, like we mentioned before, the whole facial tracking stuff. Like, I do think that we're going to have that with headsets like the Omnicept Edition um, in the future, hopefully within the next, you know, couple of years. Um, and so, uh, you know, eventually at some point, we're going to have our entire bodies kind of, uh, kind of ready to go in a VR environment. And that's, you know, really exciting stuff. Awesome. awesome. I, I had a question kind of maybe for um, fans of FIA, like how, what, what was the beta version or the alpha version of oh, no. FIA that, <laughs> that, that was left on the cutting room floor? that didn't make the cut? Like, were you Godzilla? Were, well, what did you look like before you decided to go for kind of a, a low-res version of yourself? Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much exactly how I've always looked, except for it was a lot worse. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I would see a model was the very first 3D model that I have ever made. So this hairstyle was the very first hairstyle. Like, I made every single individual strand. I drew it on. Um, I did all the texturing for the model in Photoshop and imported it over. Um, wow. But I didn't have Photoshop back when I first started. So I literally did everything with click and point. I click and pointed every single 
<laughs> every single wow. texture on the model wow. myself. Um, and then, you know, over the course of the past year, I've slowly but surely kind of added things on, like, you know, fixing the eyes to look nicer. I added a little, you know, star shiny in there, um, making the hair look a little bit better and filling in spots that I'm kind of missed um, and stuff like that. So hopefully she just keeps on getting better. But um, I think I've kind of hit a happy spot with where I'm at right now. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I would just say, you know, if you want to check out Fia's uh, content, go and check out her YouTube channel. It's in the description down below. And also PD has been posting it in the chat as well. So uh, go and check out our content. And it's going to be really interesting to see how your channel and, and also your avatar evolves over the next sort of like, you know, six months to a year. Mm -hmm. It'll be really interesting to track that with the, uh, the sort of release of new technology as well. And things in the future, like the Tesla suit, I think are really going to be game changers mm -hmm. uh, for people like you when they become more affordable uh for consumers but yeah i think it's a super fascinating subject i really appreciate you joining us on the show and and, and telling us all about it um and uh and yeah thanks again yeah, yeah thank you for having me i really appreciate it awesome so let's move on to some releases then uh zim's got some uh, releases in the bag for us and there's one that i'm really excited about that involves little creatures that's all i'm gonna say little creatures wait, wait, wait. Like... is it oogie oogie too Oogie the Beatles. Oogie oh, God, the, Beatle. the Beatle quest. Yeah, that was fun on Go, right? I think that was a Go title. Yeah, oh, Go my, title. my, my. All right, I'm going to pick up one to start off here that I missed off last week, um, sure. which is Until You Fall, um, which is a simultaneous quest and PSVR release from the 29th of September. This comes from Shell Games. Uh, love their love their stuff. Uh, things like I Expect You to Die. And this is a magic-infused VR sword fighter. Uh, you've heard us probably over the last couple of years talking about this. It's a roguelike or roguelite fantasy game. And with your uh, sword in hand or several other weapons that you can get, you battle through some colorful stages with a great soundtrack until the point you die. And then you pick up and start over again. You've got upgrades along the way. Uh, it is a frantic hack and slash. So this is not a game if you want to sit back and chill out. This is a game that you want to bring a sweat rag for, okay? So I think it's great that it's come to Quest in particular. Uh, that's fantastic. I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm going to. And the price on this is $25 or 20 pounds. That's it. It's a great game. I just want to say it's a great game. I had a lot of fun with it when I played it on PC. Um, when you get to that boss... The big you get some there's some really big oh, boss fights in this oh. game when you get to them you are genuine genuinely terrified because you know how much effort and work it took you to get there so that's all i'm gonna say when you... and, and also like if you want a full body workout combine this game with pistol whip oh god yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah like, it's, the worst part was i i delayed my play of the original like until you fall and i was playing it on rift s i guess but i had mike's words echoing in the back of my head as i was playing it and when I finally did get to the boss, and you do know how much effort you've put into that point, mm -hmm. I was you said something about like it's pretty much inevitable you're gonna fail. And I was like, I am not gonna fail. I am gonna beat this thing. <laughs> and you know how close I got? I got to like whatever it is on the health meter or whatever. I was like a shard away from beating him, and then yeah. he killed me. And yeah. I was like, God damn it, Mike was right. So yeah, so this you got is that this one is this is Dark Souls in VR. This is it like is. if if, if you hard, screw up, then hard. then it's gonna give you the middle finger. It's a good analogy, yeah. But so much better. Like, I mean, on Quest, this is going to be fantastic. So I can't wait wow. to, to, to check It's had out. a visual downgrade, but I think gameplay is intact, which and is And this good is from Zen, right? Zen Studios? Zen? 
this is the, actually shell games. So this oh, is shell games. Games. Oh, I'm, then yeah. I'm confused with the with the pinball devs. I don't know why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> random. Right. A bit, bit random that one there. Yeah, right. I know. So next, let's hop to another great dev studio, which is Resolution Games. Uh, I like them from like Akron and a few other things. Uh, Narrows, if you still have an Oculus Go, fantastic game. They're coming out with another one called Blast On, and this is coming again to Quest. I don't have a price for this one. Any of you boys know it by any chance? No. No. I'm gonna guess no. it's I'm gonna guess it's gonna be 15, um, 15. pounds, and then probably like 20 dollars, just yeah. because of what it is, you know. So Blast On is th the best thing I can say. It looks like a clone of Iron Lights, if you know what that is, from E. Mm -hmm. McNeil. It's a 1v1 battler, where you're both standing on a kind of a stage, and you're just, it's a fiercely competitive uh, 1v1 fighter. You've got a dive, duck, evade. You've got things like slow motion bullet. Um, so you, you can kind of quickly get the gist of this. This is a game that you play with a buddy uh, or a bot, and you, uh, you battle it out. So wow. that's basically it. But uh, I've played <laughs> Iron Lights. I had lots of fun. My wife kicking my ass at that, which is more like a little bit more medieval in its in its look and appearance, uh, which is quite good. Uh, and now we've got now we've got Blast On coming. Third of actually, October. I actually got to see a very early version of it when I was at their office in Sweden. And these oh. two devs were playing against each other, and it was so competitive that I almost felt like if you could move the floor <laughs> and you could like melt through it, then it would be amazing because you have to dodge every attack, and like your floor isn't enough. You sometimes need to like go to other places. It's like being Neo in the Matrix, and the bullets come from everywhere, and <laughs> you're like, yeah. I, I need to find a space where I'm safe, and there is never one space that is safe for like five seconds. It's crazy. It's oh, crazy. Well. I'm going to tell you, Nathie, uh, you're going to be excited for this next one, okay. uh, <laughs> which is it's going to take me a minute to get this up here because this is this is taking a little tomfoolery here. Now, mm. I'm going to disappear, and I hope you can still hear me as, as, as I'm showing this, but I'm going to give a, a quick teaser here. Most of you, I would expect, uh, particularly the Brits here, will know who this gentleman is who I'm, who I'm showing on frame. Um, okay, so my... Sorry, my voice isn't coming through on that one. So I'm just going to talk here and, and snap you images of this every so often. So David Attenborough is the gentleman there pictured with a nice little butterfly. So what is it that's coming? And this is a great find. Thank you, Mike, for pointing this one at me. Micro Monsters was actually a 2013 3D series, uh, which David Attenborough uh, has now created a spiritual successor for, along with Alchemy Inter Immersive. On the 6th of October, it's coming out on Oculus TV on Quest. Uh, my expectation here is that's going to be free. This is a focus specifically on arthropods. So for those of you who are interested in things like scorpions, uh, spiders, butterflies, oh, wow. uh, all that kind of stuff, and you want to see it's it in super high depth. And you're definitely going to try out. What's that? Oh. Yeah. That's the Spider stuff one. that Mike loves, and he said he wants to try <laughs> out for getting 5,000 subscribers on the FRL podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll do it for you guys. I'll take it for the team. It, it, this but, is weird timing, though, because he's also releasing a movie, right, about the planet. Uh, at, so it's right timing. I, he was yeah, like, right well, maybe, yeah. He was in the news uh, last week because he jumped onto Instagram and had, like, I don't know how many followers in, like, a day. It's, like, crazy. So there's a few details about this that make me super excited, Okay. The first thing is that this is a five-part series. There's four, five bits to it, um, but it's viewable at 8K resolution on Oculus Quest 2. It's viewable at 5K, and I think we got 5K Henry a little while back yeah. on Quest 1. So for anyone who's seen that knows how detailed that was, 
and then you look at some of the images of this, it's just, it's starkly interesting. So are you guys like looking forward to this? You probably didn't know about it other than Mike, but. You don't even have to ask. Of course I am. I'm a huge, huge fan of him. He's one of the reasons why I went into science in the beginning. So uh, uh, since, ever since I was a kid, I, I hugely admired everything that he's done. Yeah, yeah I'm super excited about this. Like um, there was a, a, a 3D VR, um, I think it was called Flight of the Concords or something like that by David Attenborough. And it was the first 3D movie that I ever watched in big screen. And I remember Darshan showing me it and it blew my mind absolutely blew my mind so i can't wait to see this in glorious 8k and vr it's gonna be amazing oh. isn't there also an app where you go to the what is it the museum in london and he tells you everything yep. about all kinds yep. of like dinosaurs and different i don't remember the name but that was know. made by the developers that did arca's path i can't think yeah. of the name off the top of my head that's but, rebellion uh, right bbc Arcus something path. it was the no. bbc project wasn't it um I can't remember. I'll look it up. Someone in chat will pull yeah. it up. So David Attenborough, famous, uh, I was going to say naturalist, nature documentary personality who's been doing this since I think it was in like his 20s. And I got to say, looking at the guy, I always, and I said this the last time we covered some of David Attenborough's stuff. It's like, I, I, I know that all of our lives are finite and one year we're going to lose David Attenborough. I don't want that to be this year or any year soon. The guy is amazing and it gets me excited for, for nature. So. so so no so no v2 basically no uh, i'm a bit disappointed i'm sorry but uh the, no v2 the, stu <laughs> the studio <laughs> that did um the studio that did the david attenborough experience in vr was dream reality interactive they're based in london i went and visited them a long long time ago okay very good thank you yeah uh, he is a natural treasure in the uk for sure um okay couple of things these are like uh, mentions and things that are coming out that i think you need to know about so uh, the first one is uh, Pixel Ripped, uh, which is this, is, this is an interesting play. All right, Pixel Ripped mm. 1995. Some of you have played that. Um, and we thought, I think, collectively that it wasn't quite as good as the first game, uh, Pixel yeah. Ripped 1989, uh, which, is, which is now in probably the most inceptive move ever. This is an indie darling. It's a game within a game, right? And now has a game within a game within a game. So <laughs> DLC, paid DLC for £11 or $15. If you have Pixel Ripped 1995, then you can go explore this 2D slash 3D adventure, which with this, uh, it's like, it's a great like platformer and a challenging game. Like it's something that I remember playing it and feeling like, oh, thank God, indies, and this is why I called it an indie darling, like indies are giving me what the old SNES player or SNES player really wanted, like in VR. And it really has so many lovely odes. So if you haven't already stepped into this, you can kind of go and get uh, Pixel Rip 1995 and pick up the DLC for the game on Oculus Quest. And then you have both. But, but wait, Zim, <laughs> you got to explain yourself. Why is the first game a DLC of the second game? It's fucking weird, isn't it? Um. <laughs> That's so weird. Because the thing is, they they couldn't publish it as a standalone title on the store. So yeah. they just trolled Oculus by just making it a DLC. And then apparently <laughs> it is allowed, but it's stupid. And I'm like, listen, if it's if if the DLC is allowed, then it can also be a standalone game. Come on. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm with you 100%. This is hurting on that. them in terms of sales because DLCs are less noticeable and it's no one's weird gonna know construction. It. 
Yeah, no, yeah. And that's the problem. Like, except <laughs> of word of mouth, people aren't going to get the chance to, so, to try this so out. So, 90 hertz and pixel ripped. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and Ugi 2. Ugi 2 as well. And hire virtual desktop guys. <laughs> Go down. Ugi and 90 hertz, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. Okay. okay. Sorry. All right, next, okay, go on, go on. Next little little bit of news to <laughs> take Mike's words out of his mouth. Vertigo remastered. Uh, Nathan fished this one out of the the fine ocean as well. Yes. Um Vertigo remastered from Zubelo Games uh, is dropping a paid DLC. Zulubo. Zulubo, Zubelo, Zububu, whatever. <laughs> I'm so sorry, dude. Um, the Sandbox DLC brings a number of features. Really interesting. There's like a game builder almost in this one. Mm -hmm. So there's a series of new game modes, weapons, level editor, and workshop. So you can actually wow. build and set up a scene. You've got a bunch of like uh, assets, etc. You can import custom assets. You can build out and work and play in this world. Now, this is a fantastic looking game. It's got the Steam Workshop integration, which means you can share your stuff. So actually looking at things like um, uh, Boneworks, right? Looking at Boneworks with a very sharp eye and saying, hey, Boneworks, you haven't allowed this kind of uh, a mode. Why can't, why can't you build in APIs that allow people to go ahead and mod your game? This is like a lovely example of why you know, again, from an indie developer perspective, uh, having like that openness and, and, and ability to go and inspire other creators. And this is coming from somebody who has has already done that journey himself, right? Has, yeah. has already built himself up from platforms which allow you to create. And now he's making a creation platform. And so I love it for that. Wow. And now you can get Fia in this game if you want to. Oh, That's a good point. You can, you could get Fia in. Oh my God, that would be neat. <laughs> single player game there you go yeah. that, that integration of like uh creating levels in vr and then publishing them straight to the steam workshop that is genius man it's, it's yeah. amazing yeah uh, we and, had and him on the show actually a while true. ago so if you're interested go and check out that episode and out vertigo 2 is still coming out this year so we still it have is. a banger i mean i thought that star wars squadrons was it but yeah. there's still vertigo 2 that's a very good point so that's that's due out this year still i wonder I, if that'll I, get i hope so i hope yeah. well and if he needs more time then i'm sure everyone wants to give him the time yeah, absolutely uh so zach i was just gonna say i think you keep dropping these lovely gems this is another one i hope people you know pay attention to it and start making some cool stuff that we can then talk about on future shows so that's yeah. a good one that's vertigo remastered yeah. sandbox dlc coming um so you can expect that on the 15th of october if that floats your boat Okay, so a couple of other things before we get out of here. Now, we talked earlier about The Walking Dead that you shouldn't buy, and now we should talk a little bit about The Walking Dead that you also shouldn't buy because it's on Viveport for free. So The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners mm -hmm. is now part of Viveport. It's actually been there since August 12th, and mm -hmm. you can get this wonderful game. As I said before, I rate this game so highly. If you really want to go to town, this is a great game for you. Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, Viveport. Just a reminder, Viveport is not just for Vive owners, right? Yeah, if you're a Rift owner or you've got a Pimax, you can actually leverage the service. Works a little bit like your uh, Microsoft Game Packs and, and, and gives you kind of access to a whole bunch of games. Check out the library of games that are currently available on their website. And um, I think that's that. Nathan, you've probably used Viveport most recently. Any other titles that you'd say would hook people into going for the Viveport experience? Honestly, I haven't used it in like ages. Okay, so you're so, like I don't two know. Years I can't tell since. you, but okay. uh, having an exclusive like this is totally worth it for sure. 
Yeah, and I it's think, not too much. It's like a it's like a tenner a month. I think is their is their price. Yeah, and I think I think Viveport is good for those that are brand new to the PC VR uh, platform. You know, because you've got a whole back catalog of games that you can play for free without having to buy them piecemeal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think for for newcomers, it's great. For those that have been around for a little while, probably not so interested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I like to save the best for last. So I want. <sighs> I tend to uh, try to challenge myself with these releases and give you guys something that you maybe haven't heard of before. We've already done some pretty cool ones. Mike came in with the uh, the micro monsters. That that's kind of my favorite from the from the bunch this week. But I'm bringing you something that Nathy commented I did on a stream maybe back when Quest started, which is I went I moved from this room to the room behind me and I used the Guardian system to map it oh, map, map both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to do the same with an infinite Guardian, now you can. Thanks to a lovely indie dev behind a project called Custom Home Mapper. So, <laughs> Custom Home Mapper with a one-time setup, you can track or sorry, trace and map the periphery of your entire house, your hallways, your closets, and all that. You <laughs> mark out nuts. you mark out large <laughs> objects. There's an easy addition system, so things like beds or couches or desks, you can mark those out. And as I said, one-time setups. So you do this once <laughs> and it remembers. It's, they've even got inside of this, not just mapping out your home, they've got games, like a, they've got five or six games now available that you can play. So for example, In your house. you map your house out, you've got 200 <laughs> different prefab items, you've got 20 different skyboxes to decorate and make it look great. This is on SideQuest and on Itch. And you can play Snake in 3D, Tactical cover cover shooter. It's got a better name than that, but I'm keeping it simple so you understand. Oh God. There's a castle defender like the original. Do you remember the Vive demo with the bow and arrow? Yeah. You can do that in a simpler version in your home. <laughs> and you can even play disc golf in your disc home. Disc golf in your house? Yeah. Yeah. Upstairs, downstairs, oh, wow. through your kitchen, all this kind of stuff. Make your house look great. I've said one thing to That's the developer. Awesome. I've said... Guys, I want to I want to be able to do multiplayer because the amount of people who now are going to have quests, right, and be able to do, um, be able to have like, I want that LAN experience that we had at Oculus Connect a couple years ago, where you have a LAN version party, but you, in a custom house that you've all made, and you know you could do like laser tag in your own house or something like that. You could totally make this look awesome. Well, well, what do you guys saying, think of that? You can gamify cool. your house mm-hmm. now. You can totally gamify. And 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 soon, if like Mike was talking about, you know, exciting software for Quest Two. I mean, this is totally not confirmed, so don't believe me <laughs> at all. But imagine it's... that the tracking is going to be so splendid that you can also track your staircase and just go up <laughs> to the next floor and keep playing this, these these tower defense games. Like, oh, there's a monster! Help! I need to get up the stairs. Yeah, this is the promise that Magic Leap never managed to make. I I so I didn't tell you the price. Seven hundred thousand. No, I'm just kidding. Seven dollars, <laughs> right? Seven dollars on itch. That's five pounds fifty. About. Um, it is there available on SideQuest. And having mm-hmm. loaded something just like this very recently, it's a click-click process. Super easy. So yeah. someone is asking, does it bypass the Guardian play space limit? Yes. Okay. Uh, and and that does mean that you can then also map Walmart. You can map Walmart, <laughs> as far as I understand. I am going to be testing this myself. I will feedback about it. It looks incredible. Walmart. Looks in Walmart. Incredible. Yeah, can you do it in a supermarket gym and then just record <laughs> you it? Do it a su- yeah, That's a bit yeah. dodgy. Everyone's like going around with a mask. I'm going with a mask and a quest. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think anyone will bat an eyelid. You know, 2020 couldn't get any weirder. So, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah, think it'd be fine. You know what? I'll just go at 3 a.m. No one would care because they're just loading no the shelves. 
Oh yeah. man, you give me a ghoul idea. That would make an excellent video. All right, we'll it would have to make try an to do that. Video. So that's that's this week. Uh, Until you fall, blast on. David Attenborough's Micro Monsters, Pixel Rip, nineteen ninety five with nineteen eighty nine snuck in there in DLC. Vertigo remastered, Sandbox DLC, Vive port for free. <laughs> Your copy of The Walking Dead: Saints and Sinners and Custom Home Mapper, which you should go find and wow. load on SideQuest. And just a quick mention. If you like VR YouTubers, you might find 10 of us tomorrow around 8 o'clock UK time dogging it out <laughs> in squadrons. So look out for that. Yeah, I'm Zim's going to be live. doing... You're going to be live streaming it, right, Zim? I will. I will. I'm sure so, there'll be others doing some as well, but yeah. So go go check out um, yeah Zim's live stream where we're all going to be fighting to the death in uh, squadrons <laughs> in fleet battles, which is going to be epic. And I'm very excited about that. The setups that people are using. We've got at least two players using the Yaw VR. The, the, the amount of equipment that's going to be across <laughs> players, yeah. like, it's incredible. Oh we got to see who stands out as the best dogfighter. I don't for have sure. money on anybody except for Don, VR Gamer Dude. Uh, I don't I think, have my... No, just lucky that I'm not in there. I don't have my money on the people who use your VR. That's what I do now. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I, anyway. I can beat those people with a mouse and keyboard, trust me. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, you you mean, like, physically beat them with the mouse and keyboard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's I personally that's find was... a crowbar is more effective. Ooh, yeah, okay. Well... Anyway. That was the releases for this week. Over to you. Awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm really looking thing? forward to the, the David Attenborough thing. I think that's going to be super awesome. So really excited for that. Uh, but yeah, I just want to round up the show because we've gone uh, on for a little bit longer than we normally do. Uh, thank normally, you for joining us live. Sure. Um, yeah, well, it was, this is becoming the norm now. Uh, thank you for joining us live in the chat. We, we really appreciate you, uh, uh, you know, chatting with us and letting us know what you played and your thoughts and things. It's really, really great. And thank you for helping us surpass 5,000 subscribers on the channel as well. And obviously, Nathan did a little dance to celebrate that yeah, so thank are, you again we are famous um, now just to remind you, uh, this is a weekly AR, VR, and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube and Twitch. The show goes live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK, 12 midday in Central US. Also, check out the audio version available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We'll be back on the show next week with more VR news. But until then, have a great week in VR. Take care and bye bye for now. Oh, and thanks to Fia as well for joining us. Oh, thank you for having Check out some VTubers because that, that is yeah, just a crazy part of the internet. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you very much, Fia. No problem. Take care, Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.